All right, mister, what do you think you're doing? You call this a room? This is a pigsty. I want you to straighten up this area now! You are a disgusting slob! Stand up straight! Tuck in that shirt! Adjust that belt buckle! Tie those shoes! What is that? Wipe that smile off your face. Do you understand? What kind of a man are you? You're worthless and weak. You do nothing. You are nothing. You sit in here all day and play that sick, repulsive, electric twanger. You carry that, that, that vaporizer. Who are you? Where do you come from? Are you listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? I want to vape. On tonight's show, I'm going to be talking about the Vape Expos, conventions, advocacy, peer pressure, uh, guilt trips, fear of the unknown, Puritans, shame and loathing, hipsters, cloud chasers, cloud contest participants, and the folly of incremental appeasement, otherwise known as as if you don't want to go to a vape event and you don't want to participate with the people that are there, don't go. And if they're not your cup of tea, just don't go. The people at vape events are not being graded and you should not be rendering judgment and assessment on all the people that just want to go to a vape event and vape. I'll uh, try to talk about Indiana and uh, That'll probably be the show. Hopefully that'll be uh, robust enough for a whole show. The show is being broadcast 
live on the interwebs with live phone-in lines. Also, uh, Vapor's Place, and look for the live shows, and there's replays as you scroll down. All right, uh, so that was my cut piece for the opening. All right, uh, so uh, tonight I had a couple of guests pull out on me um, for good reason. Uh, they uh, are uh, going to be watching March Madness, have to deal with birthdays and things like that. So um, I'm going to be trying to assemble the show kind of on the fly for what I have. And so uh, what I like to try and do usually is, uh, I'm going to try and make it usually, is to talk about what was talked about in the last week at the top of the show. So uh, last week was Vapor Joe, which was a very interesting interview. I was interested by at least. And what we talked about were different things like cloud contests. Uh, we talked about clones and we talked about the Evolve lawsuit. And the Evolve lawsuit is uh, probably uh, the only thing I need to, to cover a little bit here. And that is that Evolve created the patent for variable wattage and they created it in by essentially inventing it and doing it in a rather specific way. And that has a patent. They sold units of, of their 200 to Joytech and Joytech created a mod for it called the Reload. And uh, they started selling them. Uh, shortly thereafter, they started selling them with a cloned board that is claimed to be infringing on the patents. And they started selling it for about uh, one, well, about uh, two-fifths of the price. So if, if uh, the board was 100, they're selling it for about 40. Um, and then beyond that, they started to sell the actual raw board to uh, other third parties. Uh, to include into their items. And I think Wismic is one of them and some of these new generation of vapor flasks. So my take on the, the lawsuit, um, Joe's take was essentially that Brandon gave away the keys of, to the kingdom and was going to allow people to use it provided they paid him a royalty fee. I've read the lawsuit and I just don't see that coming across. In fact, I, I see the opposite. I see that that there were was negotiations and uh, those negotiations either fell through or, or whatnot. And um, it's a case now where uh, Evolve, which is to my best understanding, is preparing for the FDA with their electronics because there's an open question to whether or not the FDA is going to be approaching uh, hardware. Now, I've been saying for about the last two years that they will not go after hardware unless it has e-liquid. So uh, my best guess is that Evolve is trying to have a standard for a packaged unit with e-liquid and hardware together that will meet the regulatory compliance. It's a, it's a pretty big task. If, if Evolve doesn't do that for a finished product, uh, they, well, essentially, that, that is what the big tobacco companies, the Views is going to have to do that. The Views is going to have to build its hardware in the United States uh, for trackability purposes. And it's my understanding that, that Views is already being made in the United States rather than having the factories off in China. And that makes sense uh, because you can do it with automation. You can make high-tech units with you can go over to applied materials and and they will make machines that do the tasks that you need to do to create automation uh, that's something that apple is going to be doing 
uh, they'll be bringing the the iPhones back into the United States for manufacturing. It's it's essentially uh, there's an old joke about Americans, and the uh, the Germans will invent a uh, uh, something like a, uh, a a push lawnmower, and then Americans will bolt on an engine to it and create the power motor. So that's and and there's the history of the cotton gin as well. So there's a lot of invention to where things can be made in the United States. And that is why we have a patent system because the patent system is intended to reward people that create innovations uh so that there there will actually be new in, in, innovations. And if you look at all of the countries throughout the world by far uh the United States holds the most patents and creates the most patents and and that's uh I'm I'm a fan of Shark Tank and and that Shark Tank mentality that you can come up with an idea is what the whole patent system protects. Uh if we want to delve into a little bit more, there is a problem uh with the patent system with regards to pharmaceuticals big pharma because it takes about seven to eight years to take it from uh, a new drug discovery and through phase one, phase two, and all the way through the clinical trials. It takes about seven years to do that. So there's patents expiry. And if you really want to get into it, doctors are being pushed by the pharmaceuticals, by the pharmaceutical reps to always use the latest and greatest drugs, which are still under patent. And if they're still under patent, then there's a high price premium. The thing is that there's a lot of drugs where the existing drug uh, that goes off patent is about 90% as effective as the newer one. Uh, Tagamet is an example uh, where it's a, just an a, uh, anti-acid. Uh, then that one went off patent. It used to be a several billion dollar drug. And then they come up with new ones and then they because they want the the they push the doctors to prescribe the new ones even though the off patent ones could be prescribed at a much cheaper cost to the whole uh, healthcare system. I guess I ran through a little digression there, but bringing it back to Evolve, so uh, Evolve was issued a patent. Uh, I believe that they will be trying to attempt to. Uh, use that patent in a finished product that contains nicotine that will meet the regulatory approval. If they're not successful with that, then the only option would be Sigalikes. And then, if you're concerned about smokers, you want them to be able to have a starter product that can be sold uh, as a package. Because that's, uh, you know, essentially what the PAX Jewel is doing is a complete solution, and, and PAX will have to get that hardware approved and whatever electronics are inside it. So we don't know what the FDA is going to do with electronics uh, and, and with the finished devices, the hardware. One option, though, is that only e-liquids is sold and, and then hardware is sold independently of that. And then you avoid the risk of the FDA because hardware without nicotine is not a tobacco product. And the whole intention thing is you, you can't use that generally speaking uh, you can go into a head shop throughout the united states and buy bongs water pipes all sorts of different things that are clearly intended for uh smoking weed and they they can't stop that so essentially you can uh, the local head shops could take over the the whole hardware distribution angle uh if you thought that they can regulate it for electronic cigarettes if you think uh, like some people that a drip tip is going to be regulated 
the the simple solution to that is just sell it in a head shop and then uh, it's clearly not for tobacco and it's going to be used for weed uh, and whatever so long story short uh, is that because of the FDA you want strongly enabled companies to be able to put their products through the FDA process and get things done so uh, my take on on the whole lawsuit is that Evolve had no choice. They had to sue. And there's a lot of people that are concerned that Evolve would look to, be looked at negatively for protecting their rights uh, as, as the patent holder. And they would be perceived as being jerks about it. Because everybody knows that you the difference between uh, a cigarette, a pack of cigarettes costs $15 in New York State, or New York City at least. So for the cost of uh, three packs of cigarettes, which is three days, that somebody shouldn't pay for the for the you know the the better built uh one with the with the authentic parts in it that they should waste or or they should save three days of cigarettes uh, or one day if you're a three pack a day smoker for your device so that's that's the argument um and it and to me there there was two options for evolve uh because of the way that this is coming out and the way that they're pricing it and the way that they're creating brand confusion in the marketplace by packaging it in one reload with one board and another reload and, and another board, there's two ways it was going to go. Either Evolve is going to die on the vine or they're going to defend. So there's two there's two two avenues, die or defend, and I think Evolve picked the better better option of the two to, to defend themselves. And so uh, Joe had a lot of opinions on that and, and a lot of theories on that. I believe the only way that his theories would be correct, uh, and you'd have to listen to the show, is that if there's a claim in the uh, defense of the Evolve lawsuit that Evolve went over there and gave away, quote-unquote, the keys to the kingdom to the Chinese. If there's something that in the, the response, because when a, when a complaint is filed, when a lawsuit is filed, the other side has to give an answer. Uh, and there's two types of ones. There's the standard defense, the the uh, I forgot the the affirmative defenses, and uh, then there's also something called you know when when I've done it, it, it there's something called a uh, uh, a verified complaint. And and when a verified complaint means that for each element of the charges that are being alleged, that the signer, the alleger, uh, is verifying that those things are true. Um, and they're standing on those. So for each of those items, if it's a verified complaint uh, by Evolve, then uh, Joytech has to respond to each one with specificity and not just an affirmative response. So we'll see what happens, but Evolve is definitely asking for a temporary injunction or injunctions altogether. So if Vapor Joe is correct that keys of kingdoms were uh, keys of the kingdom were distributed in China, and um, then there, the response is definitely going to have to s- say something like that. If it doesn't, uh, then I think that it's that 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 was actually not the case. So uh, what? Let's see. Uh, well, let me go over back to the lawsuit uh, just to to try and clarify um, because I think there is some uh, confusion about what the actual lawsuit says. So I'm looking at the lawsuit, and I think. It's all contained in paragraphs 86 and 87 on page 19. So I'll go ahead and read those. 
Additionally, after saturating the United States market with knockoffs for almost four months, defendants each and each of them finally conceded after prodding that a license to avoid infringement was necessary. Defendants Mr. Quain, Q-I-A-N, wrote in, wrote in March 7, 2016, an email which said in part, We have fully studied your patent with 22 claimed rights. How much do we need to pay for, for licensed products? It's, a, it's kind of a jargon, uh, it's a messed up sentence. It says, how much do you need us for each licensed product? To, how much do you need for us pay for each licensed product? So that's paragraph 86. So in there, uh, in the lawsuit, Evolve is alleging that they received this email on the 7th of this month saying that they've studied the patent and they're asking how much do we need to pay? So, if if I, I presume that there's no way that email doesn't exist, that's a pretty big problem because you've you've got Joytech basically saying, "We understand we need to pay you. How much do we need to pay you?" And and it's down to not whether their products are infringing, but whether or not they can gain a license. Paragraph 87 reads: Evolve replied as follows in relevant part. Evolve is not willing to sell or license its patent. We are willing to continue to sell Wismic and Joytech our boards and to work with you to fill all of your needs, i.e. sell Evolve circuit boards in sufficient quantities. So paragraph 87 is saying uh, we're not licensing it, but we are selling it and we have the capacity uh, or capability to, to garner capacity to meet your total production requirements, how many do you need? Uh, so that's their stance. And so that's the, the crux of the entire lawsuit. Uh, to me, uh, paragraph 86 is damning that they're, they're almost fried because once they're asking, they say, we've studied your patents, how much do you want us to pay? That game over. Uh, the other side has to lay it down after that. Um, so that's the Evolve lawsuit. Because it's a lawsuit, there's going to be no way I'm going to be able to get any information from anybody regarding these lawsuits. All I can do is uh, read the actual court papers that are publicly filed and give my take on them. And I'll continue to do that. Speaking of, um, an, uh, what was talked about just briefly last week was the Enjoy case. And uh, the Enjoy case is over. It's now officially done, closed over the class action lawsuit, which was premised upon an assertion that propylene glycol and vegetable glycine were nasty, carcinogenic, uh, evil, poor, unassuming customers needed to be warned. And because they weren't warned uh, that they wouldn't have bought the product if they had actually known that there was PG and VG within the product. And based off of that, that each of the class participants did not believe would have paid less for the products even if they would have still continued to purchase the products that entire concept of a law uh, of a class action suit suit has been tossed away by the court 
And again, I think Enjoy probably spent millions on this because the way that they disassembled this class action lawsuit is as effective, in my opinion, as what Sotera Enjoy again did with the FDA. They, they've just absolutely lopped off both of the legs of, of the opponent and they, they're standing on absolutely nothing now. So the, if when I read the lawsuits, there was a hope by Wolf Halderstein, which is suing multiple e-cigarette companies, that they could go and take this judgment, uh, or rather have a judgment that is currently uh, at the Ninth District uh, Appellate Court to bring that case once it was decided and to stay this case until that decision was decided. This judge basically said, nope, uh, you know, the case is gone, it's over. So it's closed on the books. And the most interesting thing uh, is that it was done with prejudice. And in law, there's two ways a, law a lawsuit can be terminated without a final decision by the jury or judge. And that one is it can be dismissed without prejudice, which means that the other, you know, because it was did not go through the full process that you can bring that case again, or it can be dismissed with prejudice. And so with prejudice, essentially, it's kind of like double jeopardy, but it's it's not it's a different animal. But with prejudice means you can't bring the lawsuit again. It's done. So maybe these guys are going to go crazy and try and appeal it and, and get it fixed. But there's they now have two different judges basically saying this is the case. So um, if you are an e-liquid company and you are growing to a certain amount of size to where you can become prey of a uh, class action attorney, uh, ambulance chaser. Uh, and in this case, there's no ambulances, but they're still chasing. If you are, if you gain a certain significant size and these lawyers can come after you, because of Enjoy, they're not gonna be able to use this model of a class action lawsuit. And this was a, a class action lawsuit, which was novel because it was premised upon monetary damages rather than any actual harm. So if you're a company that was going to grow to a size and you can thank Enjoy, you should thank Enjoy. Uh, I thank Enjoy uh, because this is a, is a big deal. Uh, my understanding is that uh, they are going through uh, uh, another reorganization. So, uh, you know, I wish them success uh, and I think that other people should, but if you're an e-liquid e company and you're walking around and you're wondering why some, you know, uh, limousine lawyer hasn't driven up to your company, looked, looked at, assessed your house and your homestead and said, yeah, there's enough meat there to sue, uh, and you notice that you're not getting sued, uh, you can thank Enjoy. So, thanks, Enjoy. So, that was last week. And so now we're, I'm going to try and go into the stuff this week. Yeah, and I got to thank Vapor Joe. Vapor Joe says he is the biggest, has the biggest show in vaping. So what the heck, you know, I put it to the test. So I invited Vapor Joe to have, uh, to come on and, and do an interview. The guys, uh, you know, people don't like some of his opinions. He is absolutely well aware of that. Uh, but he's a stand-up guy, and he and he came on. He brought 150 of his friends into the into the chat room with him uh, last week. Uh, it's going to be a high watermark for me for probably ever. I don't. I doubt I will ever have that many live viewers. Maybe on the replays, but uh, that was awesome. Uh, so again, thanks to Vapor Joe. 
And I see one comment here from Duro Sig, who says, I doubt Joytech will even respond to the lawsuit. Well, that was one of the other interesting things done in the lawsuit is that, uh, and this was covered by uh, James Martin and uh, the, the folks over at the, the Inside Vaping Guys, which is on the VP Live Network on every other Tuesday, covered this really, really well. And I listened to their show before I even uh, looked at the lawsuit. And what they said uh, and pointed out is that Joytech availed themselves of the courts in the United States because they sued somebody else. So because they asked for relief by the United States court systems, they have already agreed and, and actually filed in papers that it, they are properly placed, uh, they have standing within the court. So Joy has filed papers in the United States saying we have standing in the United States to sue. They sued somebody else. Now, uh, another company, in this case Evolve, is is going to sue, and they do sue, Joytech in the United States, and they're totally connected. So it's definitely Joytech is going to be uh, on the hook for this. And uh, some people think they can just close up shop and do all that stuff. Well, if they were to do a game like that to the court, if they were just to shut, shutter their offices and open up Joytech Number no. 7 or Tech Joy, you know, uh, something else under a different name and try to sell these same products that, that were coming from the same thing, it would be very easily to, uh, easily be able to be shown. You would be able to show it to the judge, and then it's just a matter of the judge saying, yeah, these guys are defying my court um, and whatever you need to do will be enabled to stop those products from hitting the shelf. So Joytech is in it. They are on the hook. Now, you know, just thinking out loud, uh, maybe that is why other companies have not been sued or are, are currently not being sued. Maybe uh, because Joytech has used the courts to sue other people in the United States. Maybe that's why they're they are the, the first case. And again, what I said last week is the most efficient way to do a class action, uh, not this is not a class action, to do a patent case is that you sue uh, the biggest, worst offender that is harming you the most. And if you succeed, uh, then it's just a matter of knocking on the door of all the other people and say, look, we just won against the biggest guy. Your lawyers won't have as much uh, throw as they do. Uh, you know how it's going to go down. Let's cut a deal. Uh, and that's what would happen. Yeah, it, it's the rebranding is not going to work too uh, because the the main you would have to change the offices. Uh, you know, the, there are people that have looked at the Joytech facility. Uh, you'd be able to fly people over into China and say, look, you know, their their offices are exactly the same. They're selling the exact same products. Uh, you would lose all of your branding uh, to all your entire distribution channel. You know, there, there's somebody that's saying in the chat that, uh, again, Durosig again, is saying that they can just reband. It's it's not going to happen. Um, th this case will be fought. And then, if again, if you want to look at the lawsuit, paragraphs 86 and 87, you've got Joytech uh, being alleged to essentially say, we, we comprehend your patent and we want to know how much it is to license. And then... Evolve is saying is that we don't want to license it. So that's that. Um, so that was last week. And so now I've got to try and piece things together for, for this week. Um, and it's it's a little bit of a hodgepodge. So I, I think uh, I'll try and do Indiana first. And I'm, I'm hoping for next week to have 
a couple guys uh, that are doing the federal lawsuit in Indiana. But I want to talk about I want to talk about the original bill. Um, and so here's my experience with Indiana, and this is why I kind of have some. It's something that I've been following. And so uh, back in uh, January of last year, January 30th, I was asked uh, by Dimitri to do an entire uh, investigation of everything I could find out about this uh, monument vapor, this Zach uh, Lichen, um, and uh, a guy named McAllister. Um, and so I, I dug up all of that information. And this is back again in January, before February obviously. Uh, and so I dug up all that information and I, you know, I found SEC records. I found, uh, all the various websites. There was a thing called Zaza juice. Uh, McAllister was, was a guy that, uh, worked for tobacco. Uh, and I'm just going off of memory here. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I wrote it, uh, that, uh, McAllister had worked for the tobacco company and he was a donor to Pence. And so, um, there's a few other things, but there was definitely a a very a visible way of seeing that there was insider hands related to tobacco that were pushing for this security stuff to go through and for all of the other stuff. And so what I had said on uh, my show uh, before is I had played a clip from a PBS special that was done on February 22nd. Uh, which was two weeks or, you know, uh, three weeks after that. And that was with where Evan and uh, somebody else who I forgot their name uh, were sitting on there. And they were they had said that they thought that the bill, uh, Evan had said that he thought the bill was at this point reasonable. They wanted some other amendments, but they agreed that their, the regulation needed to come in. And there was another part where Evan uh, had said that you know, that, that there has to be, you know, at some point you need regulation and, and, you know, he doesn't want regulation, but it might be needed. And everybody, uh, kind of, uh, you know, it was very cordial. People were slapping each other's backs. And, and there was at one point where the host had asked about what's the big tobacco connection. Uh, Cause a lot of people think that, uh, big tobacco has their fist in this. So, I had already given the information over that I had found, and I'm sure that uh, Dimitri, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm told that Dimitri uh, peeled off my headers and then sent that around. So it was out there uh, to, uh, to do, and that's great. I'm glad that that happened, but it was available to Evan at that time. About in, in uh, April, I saw that he was posting some of this stuff in, in Facebook, but that's a whole nother matter. So what my argument is, is uh, what I had said is that when somebody's coming to slit your throat, you better start screaming bloody murder as hard as you can before your throat is slit. Uh, obviously, if your throat's slit, you're not going to be screaming at all. So um, what I think that could have happened in there, instead of doing the powwow, the, the kumbaya, the let's get this thing all modded and get it all spiffy, because we know we're going to get it, we know we're going to get nailed by you guys, we're, we're, we know, but we just want to make it as manageable as possible, you know, uh, you, you want to, uh, you know, guide, uh, guide the Exxon Valdez into port. Uh, you know it's going to hit, but you want to hit the, 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 the best beach you can or something like that. I, well, my point is, 
is that you need to, uh, at that point, they had the opportunity to say, well, yeah, we know that uh, one of the people behind this is donating to the governor. Put the governor on notice right there. We, we know that, uh, that uh, you know, that there's the security firms. We know, you know, you could have punched at that stuff and just thrown those things out and made a big deal out of it. Uh, and that wasn't done. And, and I, you know, I, I was using my own uh, way of researching it. I'm sure that other people had uh, paid systems rather than just like, you know, I'm using just uh, the sec.gov to find some of these records. I'm sure that other people could have done it. But when I watched the hearings, and that's the other thing, I watched all these hearings, and this stuff was not coming up. But however, Monument Vapor was coming up. And if you uh, actually look at some of the news clips, Zaza juice, Z-A-Z-A juice, was in some of the clips, which is the the e-liquid that is made by low-cost vapor, which was the, the the name of the monument vapor thing. So it's my point, and uh, sorry for going on too long, is that they could have just thrown all of this stuff out and just charged these guys and said, you know, this is what you're doing. You're coming here on PBS and you're doing this and you're going to affect people's life and, and just read, read them the bloody riot act and then explain to Yoder that, you know, he's going to be responsible for people in uh, that. They're going to be, uh, you know, uh, little old ladies are, are not going to be able to get their uh, vaping supplies that, uh, that this is going to have an impact. This is going to cause people uh, to harm, you know, and just, just read him the riot act. This is on PBS and it's with a, she was a very good host. She was letting both sides talk and it had callers. And I say it had callers in meaning they had time. It, they had time uh, on their hands. So if, if Evan would have just been just whacking this thing with a baseball bat, it would have been heard and it would have been a record and you would have, it would just have been a big deal. And that wasn't done. Instead, there was a strategy to try and mitigate the disaster. And if you look at the way that Evan was approaching it, Sorry, the words just play. It became an unmitigated disaster. Uh, and that, that is where it, it stands now. And so uh, I'm going to play a couple clips from Inside Vaping. And this was done on March 3rd. And uh, I'm doing this on the fly. I wish I had it pre-cut, but here it goes. Talk a little bit about SB 539 and HB 1432. Um, obviously, we brought it up on the show a couple weeks ago. We didn't go to any into any great depth about the bill. But uh, some of the main facets of the bill involve licensing and basically standards for um, e-liquid manufacture within the state of Indiana. And correct me if at any point I'm wrong here, Evan, uh, but uh, the licensing fee was originally $5,000. Isn't that correct? Yeah, it was $5,000 per location. So if you own multiple shops that actually produce on, on, the, on the spot. Um, right you know, or a house juice, that would be $5,000 per location. Right. And uh, in addition to that, now, what was the original structure? It was five years, and then there was a reduced fee, correct, to continue right. production? Right. Okay. Renewal period, uh, and you get a, renew a renewed permit for $1,000. Yeah. And I'm not going to delve too deeply into it, but uh, there were a lot of shops at uh, the first hearing uh, representing people representing their shops. And uh, there was one company in particular that was present and in favor of the bill with its original, uh, with its original verbiage. Um, 
and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that at a later date. But one of the other things I want to bring up is in this bill, it also had some very stringent requirements for a production facility um, down to having uh, a special type of lock, 24-7 uh, third-party monitored security. And uh, it also required out-of-state e-liquid manufacturers to actually obtain a license uh, in order to be able to sell their product into the state of Indiana. Is that all correct as well? Uh, it's actually more than that. Um, okay. the, the security requirements, uh, we, we actually coined the term casino style security and mm -hmm. pharmaceutical grade facilities. And what we actually found out later was the guy who, the, and, and Rep Mahan uh, in that house hearing actually said, you know, we, we went to a security specialist. He's the former um, uh, gaming commissioner for the state of Indiana, who now owns one of the largest security companies in the Midwest, we, we went to him and said, where could this be uh, met with? Where in the process could this product be tampered with? And he said it would be on the manufacturing side. So he right. and created all of these security protocols. <laughs> And so we actually were legitimate in calling it casino-style security. It was, um, you know, you had to have every angle covered by video cameras that were actually being monitored by people who you had mm -hmm. to pay to sit and watch. Uh, but they couldn't wow. be on your role. You had to, I mean, the security requirements were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and then you get into the pharmaceutical-grade facilities that, you know, uh, before, you know, years ago, I actually used to make my own barbecue sauce and I rented a space in a church because they had a, a uh, commercial kitchen certified by the health department. I made barbecue sauce out of there. But yeah. for some reason, something like that, where people are actually consuming on a, on a large scale, that's okay. But for right. this, I need a pharmaceutical grade facility that's going to cost fifty to $75,000 on the low end. So, you know, we were able to bring those concerns up and, um, you know, we had some, some support early on from some senators who said, you know, it just doesn't seem legitimate. Right. we interested in protecting consumers as a, as a state function. We can agree to that, but do we really need to require a small retail shop that's mixing house juices safely to have casino style security, you know, that just doesn't seem legitimate. Um, so we've, we've gone through a few, uh, generations of the bill. Um, we're still not happy with where it's at right now, but we've made some progress. We've lowered threshold, um, on security to, um, basically an ABT system. Um, and, and, and locks with non-duplicating keys, you know, a, a key that says do not duplicate on it. Um, as far as the facility itself, we've, we've come down to what's called a cleanable standard uh, or a food grade standard, mm -hmm. which basically means you got to keep the place clean. You got to show that you can sanitize your products, your glassware, and you have to use non-porous countertops. And yeah. that's basically the standard. And, you know, if, if you're if you can't do that, if you can't provide the minimum basics for a clean facility, you probably shouldn't be making e-liquid in the first place. Um, but we've made it super easy. Um, everybody has a one year period to come up to compliance with everything and get their permits. 
But like I said, there's still a lot of issues we have with the bill. Um, you know, just some unknowns, things that are going to still be very costly to affect the small shops. Um, we've been working on those, and we, we hope that the, the senators and the representatives take our concerns and our willingness to to actually meet them at the table as a yeah. good uh, that the industry is actually, you know, we are professional and we do care about what we're doing. If we're going to fly by night operation, we want to be so far. So far, they've been pretty receptive to you, haven't they? I mean, even even in regards to the licensing fee, wasn't that reduced from five thousand to a thousand now? Yeah, it's it's a thousand dollars now with a five hundred dollar renewal. Uh, it's still okay. a five license. Um, they've you know there've been a lot of minor changes. Some of the bigger things. Um, haven't been touched yet. Um, the last things in the bill that we had issues with, um, you know, and I could go in depth with those if you want. Um, what yeah, hold on just a second. Dane, you're drowning out our guest when you type. <laughs> oh, sorry. Which is, which is okay normally, but <laughs> because normally it's me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Proceed, Evan. Go ahead. You know, one of the, one of the big issues that we had, and you actually mentioned it, earlier was out-of-state manufacturers um basically all of the requirements for having you know maintaining three samples of every batch that you do the the requirements for the label of the product uh restrictions on on ingredients everything that was you know the security the the pharmaceutical grade facility everything was was being put on them as well and they were going yeah. to have to verify to the state of Indiana that they met all of these requirements. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the products would not be available in Indiana. Uh, it would actually be a crime to even possess them within Indiana. So we've been working with the senator on that. And basically, the, the way we've kind of worded it to him now is, look, man, we went to the drawing board. We came up with 19 different versions of, of how you, know, you can lift these restrictions um, but still have like a registration program. And mm-hmm. quite honestly, um, you know, we've come up, we, we've spent days and days trying to draft this for you so that you don't get sued by these out of state manufacturers. And quite frankly, it's your problem, not mine. <laughs> right. You're the one going to be sued, not me. We just want to make sure that that manufacturers, you know, Cutwood and, and all the big companies and the smaller shops, smaller manufacturers outside of Indiana are still going to be able to sell their product in Indiana. You need to figure out how to do that. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a legislator. Right. Here, given you, here's how the industry works. Here's how it's done in other places. Come on, man. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, and that's so. the thing I was thinking about is, you know, of course, this would establish a precedent for the rest of the country. So right. while on the surface, people are thinking, well, this affects Indiana and Indiana alone. If you want to sell e-liquid within all the states, eventually right. you could be faced with a very expensive proposition where you would have to be licensed in all states, uh, which might not seem crippling to companies that are well-established. I mean, it's still a a substantial investment for somebody like Space Jam or Cutwood. But if you look at it and you're you're entering as a small business, crafting small batches of e-liquid, it really limits your opportunity to uh, court vape shops and uh, brick and mortars in multiple states. Because of right. course you're going to have uh, prohibitively expensive licensing on the front end. Uh, well, you know, so- reducing the fee to a thousand does somewhat 
um, defray that. But at the same time, that's still considerable amount of cash if you have to spread it out across all the states. Right. So, well, there and there's more to it than that. It's not just the fact that if every state enacted the same licensing requirements that you would end up paying an additional, let's say it was $1,000 across the board, you'd have to pay another $49,000 to be able to do business in the rest of the country. But it's not just that. It's also the cost of compliance to make sure that you're meeting any new requirements, new regulations. You know, that state can request that you send the invoices for all of the retailers and distributors that you've sent product to in that state. They could call you as a witness. You know, they could subpoena other records. There's there's more of a more of a cost than just that thousand dollar application fee. Um, but something yeah. interesting that I that I learned actually just the other day um, uh was that, you know, I've been saying from the get-go that no other industry tells a manufacturer in another state that you have to become a, manuf a licensed manufacturer in our state to be able to sell here, even though your company is in a, in, you know, across the country. Um, something I discovered is that's not actually true. There are industries that that does happen in. And one of the, the way I found out about it was actually by talking to a tobacco producer. And it's not a big tobacco company, so don't send me hate mail. Um, <laughs> but they basically said, you know, and I, and I looked it up and verified this. If you are a uh, tobacco manufacturer of any type, that's even just tobacco products, um, even down to, you know, papers. Um, and you, you are a manufacturer in Virginia and you want to sell your product in Tennessee, um, you have to apply for a, per, a manufacturer's permit in Tennessee as well. Wow. And what Tennessee does is they say, here's the permit, you're registering, you agree not to sell to anybody other than a distributor or a retailer, and you won't sell to minors, and we can ask you for your invoices to customers in our state, and you pay $500 or $1,000 fee. And so I was kind of like, wow, I didn't realize that happened. And then looking. I All right. So uh, that's one section. I want to play another section. Uh, so I just want to go over that. Uh, I was deep in researching this stuff back in the day. And this is that what you're listening to is a uh, recording from March 3rd, uh, 2015. Uh, and so there's a lot of talk and discussion that that people are doing uh, on oh look it's going to be um, the security requirements are going to be the thing that is going to blow apart Indiana and and there's a lot of talk about that and and frankly the security is something that is should be able to be fixed uh, by hook or by crook I mean uh, either you you get a security company that is able to do it uh, you know uh, or, or you or you can stand and say that the security requirement by itself is going to be so uh, bad that that they have to remove it and you can sue on the security re uh, requirement um, and, and maybe remove that security requirement but that's security requirement is not not the main issue uh, it's it's an issue but it's not the main issue um, and here's what I see the main issue is is that within the bill itself it says that uh, one who owns a license in Indiana to be a e-liquid manufacturer has the right to sue other potential license holders or non-license holders in and out of the state for breaking the rules 
and it then says that they uh, the lose the prevailing party's attorney's fees shall be paid for. So basically, if you are a, a sleazebag class action attorney, ambulance chaser, one of those guys, uh, you can now uh, find yourself any willing license holder and tell them, "Hey, dude, uh, we realize that you uh, you just have a license and you don't actually do anything. Uh, you ch- you're just actually, for some odd reason, you're you're holding a license in Indiana." Almost as if the only reason you have this license is because you're waiting for a sleazebag lawyer like myself to walk up to you and say, should we sue for your protection? And so then if they then sue, and they use the example Cutwood, I don't want to, well, so I'll just use Cutwood. So if they, they can sue Cutwood out of state for trying to sell their products inside of the state of Indiana. And so what the logical move for any manufacturer is, I don't want to sell anything into Indiana. I don't want to sell, have any of my authorized distributors selling anything into Indiana because of the chance that by selling something in Indiana, they are going to complain about that I'm not holding three years of samples and, and doing all these barcodes and all these other gimmicky things because they're not manufacturing it in the way that inside of the state manufacturers can sue out of the state and the prevailing party gets their attorney's fees paid. So the lawyer, this is a perfect case for any one of these lawyers because they take the case and even if they win on a technicality, even if it's a bullshit win, they get all of their attorney's fees paid for. So they just boost up the billing. You know, they spend all these hours on it, whether or not they actually spent them or not. They just they just create this whole uh, padded uh, docket of fees of, of what they needed to do, all them all their money. And then they can sue. And even if they get two cents in the, in the settlement, they get their attorney's fees paid. And, and that's good money. So that's why if this, when this bill goes in, unless somebody is willing to jump through all the hoops, they can't distribute it inside of Indiana. So what happens after that? So then Indiana only has internal to itself e-liquid makers uh, or you know maybe one or two that, that spent or are brave enough to go in there. And so your vape shops then have a, a palette instead of hundreds of flavors uh, that they just have a palette of a dozen, maybe two dozen different brands. And so then you have no differentiation between one vape shop to the other. And so at that point, it becomes price wars because you got a, a, a company that's selling one and they, they are going to lower the price to get the customers in. And they'll, they'll put out a little guy waving signs saying, E-Juice, we've got it here for a cheaper price because it's, it's a limited set of inventory items. And then it's just a price war right now because there's enough diversity in the entire uh, you know, vaping market that you can have one store here that is carrying a selection of flavors and another store here. And you, because there's a branding difference, you can have some people going to one and other people going to another. In this scenario, you have a price war and then uh, these vape shops, then it becomes highly, uh, they have to pay a lot of money to stay in the game. Uh, and that and basically the deepest pockets win all the little guys get cut down uh, go out of business and then after that after the, the culling of uh, of all these uh, little vape shops and then they, the people can raise their price again and they've got a lock on the market um, and so 
what I was saying back exactly a year ago now is that the deepest danger is to the vape shops themselves. It's not to the e-liquid makers. It's to the actual vape shops uh, because they're going to get closed down. And then say, say my scenario just went through doesn't work. Anybody that wants their flavors uh, can go out of state. So it's still going to kill the local vape shops because once these guys, you know, you have uh, Joe that walks over into the store goes, yeah, you know, uh, my favorite is Cutwood. Uh, it's, you know, Cutwood is the thing that took me off of, uh, of, of vaping, uh, of smoking. And the store goes, well, we can't sell that to you anymore. And, and the guy obviously is not stupid and he's going to go online and buy it. If, if that was his flavor, he'll just go online and buy it, and he's gone out of the store. Uh, and I believe that the reason why vape shops are very important to this industry is because it's the only place that you can do test, uh, tasting or to go to a vape event. Those are the two places. You can't do it online without costing money. And, uh, and so the, the vape shops are severely in jeopardy by this law. And the point that, that I was trying to make back then uh, was that... The law, no matter how it's structured, uh, is a death nail. A death nail. It, it is as bad as it can get. And even these slight, you know, little changes. Uh, I read through the modifications that that uh, Hoosier Vapors wanted to put in. And if you read the modifications they wanted to put in, everything that I just said isn't changed so say you know and that's that's my issue and that's why i'm calling this a post-mortem because we want we have to be brave enough to examine how indiana was toasted fried destroyed maimed killed obliterated fucked up because that's what happened and if you want to say oh great you know we did it you know saluting the flag and and, and doing it you know in the end of the day indiana died you know, you're either alive or dead. And in this case, and I'm sorry to people in Indiana saying, yes, we're still fighting. Screw you, Ed Wolf. Fuck you, Ed Wolf. I understand that. And all I can tell you is that I watched these hearings. I watched everything go down. I spent tons of uh, time researching it. I saw, I gave that research over to people that could have used it. And then I watched a PBS show where they didn't use it. And, it, you know, if you are in this case where the entire state can be taken down and you're sitting on with a lovely PBS host and you've got the assembly bill author and you've got the Senate bill author and they're there taking questions. You don't say we're trying to smooth this out. We think it's going to work. We, we, we are, we are hopeful. You know, as soon as you hope, you know, you are a dope and that's always true. So you can't be hopeful and you can't, uh, you can't, you can't do that. And so when I watched that show on PBS, it blew my brain. I mean, how could they not be just, and, and, and again, the question came up, is this some sort of, you know, big tobacco trick? And then Yoder, who's the Senator, a Republican, he said, Oh no, I have nothing to do with tobacco. I, I, I don't even know where that comes from and stuff like that. And that was the point to lay it on and just deck them and just hit them with all of this stuff and scream bloody murder because somebody's coming at your throat and that wasn't done. So that is why we call this a post-mortem because it needs to be fixed the next time around. And as you heard the people on that clip that was just said is that this could affect the other states. And so if one state comes up with this bill, 
that, uh, you know, it can affect other states. And I'm, again, I am sorry to the people in Indiana. I am, I am a big believer in the, the Indianapolis 500. I'm a fan of uh, A.J. Foyt, Johnny Rutherford, and uh, Sullivan when he spun his car on the track. I used to watch that thing every time. I'm also a big believer in breaking away in the little Indy 500. Great movie, great state, lovely people. And I mean that. I mean, in fact, in the fourth grade, I had to pick a state. One of the states I picked was Indiana because of my uh, fondness of uh, the Indianapolis 500. I like you guys and stuff. But when I watched your uh, your Senate, these guys seem to be the most corrupt people. These people in on your senators and and your and all your stuff. It makes New Jersey look like the most pristine thing when i watch this stuff it makes chicago look comparable on the same level of chicago and so uh i mean again i i can't emphasize how much well i can i'm trying to i am trying to emphasize how much time i spent on this only to see it be oh it's a sensible bill now and at the point where you needed to to to, to just you needed to uh, how about this when when a plane is flying through the sky and it's and a missile is trying to come at it they throw chafe out there uh, from from behind it so the missile you they they just need to be throwing up everything just uh, instead I watched Evan holding up a Dimitri Pink uh, thing and saying oh look th- this uh, this uh, ice stick with a with a uh, Nautilus on top of it is what I used and it's good for my arthritis that yeah true good helpful great if you own a vape shop but that was the time that you needed to be doing it. and again this is on on February 22nd this is before the bill passed um, and so I'm gonna go back to another section here on this thing and play it well I mean where where do you go from from here um, is everything set at stone no, we actually just met again today and we submitted our own version of amendments that were the same way you would see them presented to the legislature. Um, we sat down and, and, and uh, had written them out um, line by line to to uh, really, you know, hit home. Here's the language. Um, we submitted that to the senator. Um, you know, I met today with him. He seemed very agreeable. Um, there is a hearing tomorrow in the Senate for the House version of the bill. Um, we don't know when the amendments will appear, um, if they'll be there for that that hearing tomorrow. You know, government moves slow. Um, but we're hoping that we're still working together and that we're going to be able to remove some of these other differences that we have in the bills. Yeah. Um, the thing that, that the, the rest of the legislature has seen is that we understand that we're going to be regulated and we can't just throw our hands up and say, you know, Peshaw, we're not going to do this. We have to be willing to, to kind of negotiate and we have to realize that there yeah. are going to be restrictions. It is going to be painful. Um, you know, there is going to be a cost associated with it. We just want to make it as bearable as possible and make sure that not, you know, a, to make sure that no single segment of the industry is unduly harmed. We want to make sure that the small artisan shops are protected, the small juice makers, the large juice makers, the mod makers, 
uh, the the online stores. You know, we want to make sure that every segment is individually represented and nobody feels the brunt of this regulation. And so they've they've looked at that and they've said, you know, these people are reasonable and they're rational and we need to work with them in good faith. So I, I feel confident that we're going to be able to continue to work together and get this resolved. But that being said, it is government and they're all a bunch of liars. So... <laughs> All right, uh, so that's the end of the audio clips. Um, but uh, I mean, I just I, I heard it, and uh, again, um, and, and it upsets me again that that we just want to make this thing be as best as possible. It's it's a baseball bat to your head, and uh, you know you can slow down the swing, but it's it's going to do damage, and there was no way to mitigate this, and. The audio you just heard was from March 3rd, before the hearings. It was uh, three weeks, uh, I guess uh, two weeks after the PBS thing. I was delivering a whole bunch of research back in uh, on January 30th. Uh, the stuff was there to do. And again, we have to look at this as a post-mortem. What can be learned, and I, I'm sorry to say it that way, and I, and I know it's brutal, and I know it is... Uh, Indiana got whacked. And if if you don't think that, if people from Indiana don't understand that, and, and that I put it this way, that wasn't the problem that I had back then, a year ago. And so I this is what kind of probably be the end of this topic. But uh, what, what I wrote, uh, I was talking with Evan back then, uh, whether... He remind he knows that or not, but I was uh, there's a Facebook post here. Um, this is one thing he said uh, when I when I said that uh, you you better hope that the governor who is a Republican is going to do something something along that lines. And this is what Evan wrote back to me: Good luck with the governor. I've been in the politics a hell of a lot longer. We have a strategy and it's playing out. As long as we seemed reasonable but concerned and willing to make a good faith attempt at negotiating Yoder and man M A H A N would not be able to sit on the bill as their big money friends want now the things that we've been asking for all along still aren't in the bill and they're being questioned by powerful legislators they uh they see that we met in good faith and made reasonable amendments and this is also on March 5th. So back on March 5th, there's still a belief that something can be happening from there, so, so that, that, that the strategy would work. And so the point is that this strategy, I don't believe, can ever really work. It's not a good strategy. And, and, and I don't want to just repeat myself. And I guess the last thing, and so uh, shortly thereafter, uh, I was banned from that group. Back a year ago, people didn't want to hear what I had to say. Um, and then there's another post on Evan's uh, page where it says, and this is uh, within the last three months, there are times I just want to grab a mofo and yell, don't argue this with me. You are wrong. You know, you know a little, but compared to the amount of knowledge I have, the amount of work I've put into studying the case law, players, authorities, position policies, and history, you know nothing. You are like a naked baby wandering in traffic. I don't, that was not to me, but that was to somebody else. So 
if people want to gripe at me because I spent a lot of time on this, I know a lot about this and you know, we have to learn from it and that uh, I'm saying that there was process failure, a concept failure, a, a, a plethora of failures that, that resulted in, you know, Indiana going down in smoke that, and, and if you want to say, if all of those things happened, you can't assure me that it still wouldn't have happened. That's true. I mean, I can't assure you, but I can assure you that it would have been better. It, it absolutely would have been better because when you were, when they were on PBS, they were not waving the flags showing how this would kill vape shops and how it would stop out-of-state people from coming in and how uh, when I was watching a different hearing, it was it was subsequent to all of this, that there was a vendor that got up and said just the tracking of all of this stuff, the tracking, the holding of samples and all that stuff was going to cost him a million dollars a year and it would put him out of business. And, you know, people say, well, he's just going to move out of state. Well, fine. He might move out of state, but he's still not going to sell into Indiana if he's forced to go out of state. Now, the reason why is this is one of the, the type of vendors that has 150 type of products that, that they, you know, they have kind of the Mount Baker vapor model of having, you know, flavors and, and flavors that are just slight different uh, and having multiple flavors and so you know maybe that's a model that can't work at all anymore maybe you know the most you have to have is 31 and I often say you know uh, I agree with Baskin Robbins after 31 it's pointless so uh, you know having a site that has that many flavors you know that that could be a thing of the past Uh, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit but when I read this you know, because I felt bad when I got, you know, uh, people push back and people say, you know, screw you. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad. But when I read this from from him where it says, you know, uh, don't argue uh, this with me. I want to grab you like a motherfucker and yell, don't argue with me. You're wrong. You know little. You're like a little naked baby wandering in traffic. And that's from Evan McMahon. I mean... Am I supposed to feel bad because I'm calling it what it is? I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out that there's been a problem in Indiana and the problem is still there and it's it's not been solved. And, it, you know, am I supposed to feel bad if because I'm a baby wandering in traffic after I've put, you know, 45 hours, you know, into this thing or more? Am I supposed to feel bad? I, I just don't think so. And so uh, th- that's where it stands now. And. You know, I reached, or actually, uh, Evan reached out to me, and I and I responded back, and I said, you know, if he wants to come on, we can either do a recorded interview or an interview, you know, live, whichever he prefers. If he wants to to make whatever points he does, or, and quite possibly, likely, the most likely, he's gonna say, oh fuck you, Ed, and uh, I don't need to deal with it because I, you know, I'm a baby wandering in traffic. Uh, I've been off at the time when that was written it was I was well off the radar the only reason I read that is because I know there's somebody else out there like me that's getting treated like that from Evan uh, you know don't don't even bother to bring it up don't even raise it with me is what Evan is saying because he's got it and so that's kind of how I see Indiana there's a guy out in the field going I got it I got it I got it and the ball drops in front of him and what are you supposed to say well you know I appreciate that you said you got it and I was I was confident at the time that you said you got it. No, I can't do that. All I can do is look at the ball on the ground and go now what? And that's where we're at. We're at the now what. So, 
there are uh, a couple folks uh, that I would like to bring on next week. They're involved with the federal lawsuit, and they want to give me information and possibly correct some of the mistakes that I've made. Uh, and I, I don't know what it's it's going to be. Uh, I've talked to them on the phone. They're very reasonable people, thoughtful people. One of them's a lawyer, and I think they know what they're talking about. And they're approaching this from the federal side. Uh, so I'll bring them on, and we'll talk about it. But, you know... we. You know, I, I used to be in manufacturing. You have something called statistical process control. You got total quality management. You got ISO 9001 and all the other things. And one of the deals with ISO 9001 is that when you have a problem, when it fails, you got to go and take a team and figure out exactly what went wrong. And then you got to document it. You have to come up with your, your proposed solution. You got to run it through everybody. And then you solve it, you, you know, and... and and you solve it. And so right now, Indiana is an unsolved. Um, so that's where that's at. All right. So uh, it was a very frustrating week to read all of the different things that have been coming out regarding vaping expos, uh, the people that attend them, cloud uh, chasers, and advocacy, and this whole marketing to kids thing. And what I've been talking about and and on shows for for a long time for at least a year is that the FDA actually the anti-vaping groups when they walk over to the FDA when they walk into the city councils occasionally there's a woman that brings in some bottles and in California it's usually the same woman but in most cases they don't whip out the bottles even though yes I know on the Senate floor they whipped out the bottles but for the most part when they talk about marketing to kids, they're not, they will say, and you'll recognize this immediately, they're marketing to kids with flavors that appeal to them like cotton candy, Skittles, gummy bear. They talk about the flavor profile cotton candy, watermelon, and these other fruity flavors. That is the argument that's the one that's being used that the and and it's the reason why they're using it is they're trying to go back to the rules that are done for tobacco which were was they were able to successfully take out all flavors except for menthol so that's their game they want to make it tobacco flavors and menthol the end that's their goal and they they've been going hard at it so when we talk about marketing to kids, and we, and then when when I see people talking about marketing to kids, I know one, it doesn't happen in this industry. It just does not happen, uh, unless we're going to start calling uh, a 22-year-old college student a kid. Is is that a kid? Is that a child? I, I don't think so. Uh, in in California, pretty soon it could be a 21-year-old. It has to, but but they're still 18-year-olds, so. Yeah, and, and there's a phrase that I said uh, that Dimitri read off in, in one of his shows, and basically it was along the lines of every type of thing that an adult uses appeals to children. And you, if you want to go into the uh, parental raising things uh, with, with a child copying their parent, you know, uh, want to be just like dad, uh, cats in the cradle song insert there, uh, that uh, if, yes, everything a, a kid does, you know, if when I, when, when somebody is driving a beautiful 
Porsche uh, 911, uh, or how about risky business style? A, a, a beautiful red 928. And a kid sees that car driving down the road. They want to own that car. They even want to drive that car. That car appeals to kids. Is it being marketed to kids? I mean, look, you can buy a Porsche 928 toy. Is, is, is it being marketed to kids? Who the fuck knows, frankly? And, and that's the problem. There's a standard that was used in the Larry Flint case. Like, I know, I know pornography when I see it. Uh, I, you know, I think it's, you know, I know it when I see it is the, the famous quote. And somehow people think I know it when I see it is going to apply to vaping labels. And it wasn't able to successfully be done with, with uh, tobacco before. It wasn't able to be done with, uh, with Larry Flint. I'm pretty sure Larry Flint won that case, even though, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he won. Uh, so, you don't know it when you see it. So there, are, there is something called a First Amendment, and it does apply to businesses. And, and businesses have the right to, to uh, you know, uh, market their products. There is no perfect standard for what primarily appeals to kids. That is a malicious untruth. There, it's not in the law. There is no primarily appeals to kids in the law. It's not there. And when, when people are talking about marketing to kids, they'll talk about flavors. They'll talk about a point of, a point of a sale, POS. You know, that uh, it, it, in 7-Eleven, you have bubble gum and then three feet, uh, sorry, uh, you know, just, uh, just above it in a display case are e-cigarettes. E- so they're positioned next to each other, you know. So you can talk about stuff like that. A lot of people will talk about, oh, look, cartoons. Joe Camel, the government outlawed Joe Camel. That's not true. The government did not outlaw Joe Camel. Do you know that? Or do you still believe that the government did that? What happened is our friends in uh, UCSF and uh, some of uh, the other uh, think tanks in Northern California, they sued the tobacco companies and they sued them on these various premises. Right about that same time, if I'm, you know, I'm not looking at this, I'm sorry, but right about that same time is when the whole tobacco settlement thing was rolling through and Stanley Glantz was getting some of these papers and stuff uh, that were being forwarded to him and, you know, the tobacco papers were being divulged and, you know, they can, the lawyers basically could either fight or, or cut bait and then go and fight the other one. So what they did is in a civil ag- arrangement, they were being sued in civil court. They agreed as the settlement to remove Joe Camel. Joe Camel was removed because of a civil case agreement. It, it, and that's important because you can't just strip out visual things in marketing and say, oh, I, I think, you know, I think it, it can be uh, used for marketing. I, I, I think it primarily appeals to this, you know, 14-year-old kid picking his nose. It must, you know, so therefore you got to take it. You don't get to do that because fortunately for us, we still have the courts and they are going to not allow that. However, if you get sued in a court and and you say, Mr. Judge, we want to settle our case. And because of that, we are going to sign this binding agreement forevermore that we will never use this this particular camel. The court's going to go, fine. Is that what you all parties want to do that? 
They go, they all nod their heads yes, and then they go, okay, fine, I'll ratify that, and that's the decision. And uh, you know, the court is now empowered to enforce that if you guys don't do it. So they remove Joe Camel. Uh, that that's where it went away. So I, I'm gonna play another section here. And so again, this week was just I'm watching all of these people talk. Uh, and earnestly, absolutely earnestly talk about uh, vaping shows and all this stuff. And I'm listening to it and I'm going, you guys have just got it wrong. You're, you're not, you are buying into the arguments of the American Cancer Society and, and other, whatever other groups that are uh, working against vaping. You're buying into uh, their arguments. You're, you're accepting their trap. If you play chess, uh, sometimes you'll, you'll play an opponent that has a, a trap that's set up and and this is all they do and if you don't play your chess pieces in the exact right way if you don't recognize that trap you lose and 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 it's it's and and you will see these guys and they will just they'll always open up with this tra- uh with this trap and the thing is that you sometimes you have to know five you have to know the first five to eight moves of this whole sequence or else you're screwed because it's already been played out and that's what's happening here with the ALA. They they know they know how to play this game. They, you know, smoking has lost everything. Uh, I mean, there there is no more uh, penalty that they can do to smoking other than tax it more. They they've got people uh, standing in the rain, smoking outside, shivering, uh, and and they've got doctors that, that want to ask if whether they're uh, whether they're smokers and their insurance rates change. Every single way the sin of smoking has been, you know, sin taxed and and every single way that a a reasonable smoker has been abused, it's been done. And so now you have all of these groups that are just sitting there waiting. What do they do now? Because they can't even justify their existence anymore because smoking is is pounded. It's it's pounded to the ground. It's it's annihilated. It looks like Indiana, and so there's nothing more else that they can do. Uh, and so, what do they do? They got to keep their jobs. They are they're literally paying their mortgages on on shooting to death tobacco and 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 walking into these things. So they've turned that their entire war machine onto vaping, and and what's happening now is you've got people saying earnestly. We think that cloud contests are affecting vapors, and we better stamp them out, or for not, we will be harmed and 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 hurt. So here's here's a section of something that was uh, from a while back. Here's a couple different clips of the vaping Greek. Now he's not the only Greek. I'm half Greek, and. You know, so I, I think I, I can talk to the vaping Greek. I, I think that, you know, and he's welcome to come on. He's not the only Greek. Now, I do believe that that when the, the 300 were fighting against the Persians, that, that Dimitri's the type of guy that showed the, the people the back pass. I do think that. So let's play the clip. That ECC was just a party. It's just an expo. There's no, there's no room for advocacy there. They tried to do the best that they could. Bullshit. For two reasons. Number one, we talked about it earlier. How are we going to train these people on what to say? How to engage the politicians, whether it's vapors, vendors? We don't have something where the vendors can magically understand how to talk to politicians. You have here the option of having the most brilliant minds of advocacy 
between the AVA and CASA and SFADA and all these brilliant minds that are giving you basically free information on how to engage the politicians. That is the perfect time to do it. Or just don't call it an expo. Just call it a frat party. Don't try to legitimize your events by simply inviting Gregory Connolly, which I see him in the chat, <laughs> or inviting these, these advocates to your event to make it look like you're doing something for advocacy. Bullshit. Call it what it is. I'm not going to legitimize the event. You have 25,000 people coming through your doors and you have 10 people listening to these brilliant advocates. That's BS. And second of all, the other thing where I was mentioned is when they say that I'm demonizing the industry now. I'm saying that vaping is cool, which I don't think I ever said it. But I'll have to go back and look at my episodes just in case because I might have said it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that I've ever said that vaping, we've turned vaping into a cool thing. But can you dispute going on Instagram, seeing these 13-year-olds blow O-rings? Can you dispute how many YouTube channels have started by underage kids that are vaping? Can you dispute? There's at least three states now that I have reports of vendors selling to underage people, even if it's zero nicotine and they see nothing wrong with it. What ass have you stuck your head up to see that the biggest problem that the FDA has right now is initiation? And clearly, segments of the industry are forcing initiation. They're, they're supporting initiation. Vaping should be cool. It should be something cool. Because if it's not cool, smokers are not going to transition to it. When gum first came out, nicotine gum, it wasn't cool. Guess what? Nobody used it. Until they put a couple of flavors, made the packaging a little bit more attractive. And then adults started clinging to it. And then became another expensive hobby. That's a different story for those that use it. There's a difference between cool and youth initiation. If you don't see it, you're blind. And congratulations for taking clearly the best invention of the last 100 years, the one product that could save thousands of lives every year, billions of lives, as Dr. Yock said. Congratulations for taking that one product and turning it into what you've turned it. If you don't see that, my friend, you don't belong in this community. virtual shop and see what they're attracted to and if, can you imagine if you have a you know a bottle that looks you know they're very child friendly and i don't have i'm not going to call out anybody you know which ones i'm talking about the, you know if, if if the kid is attracted to it and goes to that bottle and picks it up or whatever you know this is what they're testing out and and i think that's where this all this this, this stemming issue is coming from the fba that there there's a perception that these products are catering to a market, not catering to a market. They're trying to attract a market that is not the existing smoker, and they're, they're, creating, they're trying to create new customers, just like the tobacco companies did back in the 80s. That is the struggle that they have, Russ, because the tobacco companies did it in the 80s. They were trying to entice youth to start smoking. And now we're seeing exactly, and for fucking sakes, I mean, haven't we really taken any lessons from what happened in the past? We're doing exactly the same thing. Whether we are, that's our intention, it's irrelevant at this point. It looks to them exactly, and even more so now, because we do have that variety of flavors, right? 90 so seconds. We had it back in the 80s. We do have, now it's even easier because you can market any, any product out there with so much variety 
that it, it makes it even harder for them to trust an industry that puts that kind of stuff on labels. This is because adults buy the products with the goofy labels. Just because a kid is drawn to something does not remove the fact that adults may also be. I agree with you partially. However, when it comes to this product regulated under the CTP, I completely agree. You're an idiot. You're an idiot when you say that. Absolutely, adults love it. We know that. That's not the issue here. The CTP clearly says it. Go read it. What does the product primarily appeal to? That is the definition of a clean-cut label versus a label that is marketing to kids. Whether it's marketing to kids, it's not. It is what the definition is of what it primarily appeals to. And you cannot tell me without any doubt if you're going to put a little pony on a label, it primarily appeals to kids. So shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. That is a stupid argument to use. Adults like, absolutely adults like flavors too. But that has nothing to do with putting a label that is clearly, primarily intended to market to kids. That is the definition that the FDA, that the CTP has given. seconds. You might not like it, I might not like it, but that is the law, my friend. But, but my concern is, is that vaping is really cool. It's high tech. It's, it's hands-on skills. It's, it's, you can do something to be better than somebody else. You make a better coil. You, you, you make a bigger cloud, you know. And, you know, and, and to me, you know, the cool factor is something that we cannot ignore, although as an industry we say we don't market to kids. But we need to understand that we do attract them whether we market to them or there not. There is no doubt about it. Something that I, I've, been, I've been very vocal about this year. And th there's a saying, uh, those that don't know history tend to repeat it. And it, we're exactly yeah. repeating the lifestyle of, of vaping that, that, we're, that we're selling right now is exactly a repeat of what the tobacco companies did now in the, back, in, in the past. But here's the problem with the FDA and, and the people that are trying to regulate this product. To them, it's identical. So the perception is that what we're doing right now is exactly what the tobacco companies did in the 80s. There's a way of having a hip and a cool uh, uh, item on the market and, and to, to make vaping cool. However, we have way past that line, in my opinion, and that's not just in the devices and not in the tanks that are available. That has to go with marketing and the labeling, uh, the, way lifestyle. That these, the lifestyle, the, the way that these meats are being put on, and so forth and so forth. Let me pick up another line. They're lighting up. Right All right. So that was a while back. Um, and I, I just that, that was back during the uh, the vape free youth days uh, last year. I mean, I cannot disagree more with the statements that are. Uh, I can't agree, uh, disagree more with the way that that's being presented. We are not doing the same thing as the tobacco industry did. Uh, there is no go no go on what is marketing to kids. The ALA and all of these people are using arguments for marketing the kids. But as soon as you concede one, and in this case, it's a cartoon. Now, it's not, a, not a, a, an infringing, it's just a cartoon. And uh, there is a, uh, a, Mr., a Mr. Vape, just say Mr. Vape, and, and that, uh, that has a, uh, you know, a chef with, with a mustache uh, and a hat. And um, is that marketing to kids? It's, it's totally cartoony. It, it looks like a, a Warner's brother, brother chef running around uh, cooking up a juice. Um, is that marketing to kids? Is it primarily marketing to kids? There's no way and there's no way to tell and it and it's just not the case. So this is 
what happened this week, it, it was just, it was like five shoes dropping. I mean, one dropped and then the next and the next. And it, it uh, was depressing to me uh, because I see people using the language of the anti-vaping groups chapter and verse. And they're saying, we agree with the chapter and verse of the anti-vaping groups, but you know what? We're not that. Go after those guys. We're good guys. And so uh, I put up a little cartoon. It was a uh, the Far Side Bears, and there's a uh, a bear that's in the targets of a of a of a hunter's gun. It's the sight is on him, and that bear is standing next to another bear, and it's pointing the finger at the other bear and saying, you know, shoot that one. And to me, that sums up what Dimitri is doing. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that, but on the objective level, that's what's being said. Uh, he's saying that we're doing the same thing. Now, of course, he's not doing the same thing. He's using we. Uh, but it, it, it's just not a way to go about it. And, and I, as I said on those shows when I called up, uh, because it, it just happened to be at, at the same time of the FDA workshop. And, you know, the, the FDA workshops, all three of them were poorly attended by vapors. And I don't know why, but they were. And I went to all of them. So what was said, you know, the UC, and I might have said this last week, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself, is that uh, UCSF had their speaker up there, and it was their chance for public comments. And it wasn't Glance, you know, you're hoping for Glance, but you, it wasn't them. But you know that UCF is going to come loaded to bear. And then they started with their whole chirping about how uh, we have to protect the children and they're marketing to kids just like Big Tobacco. And they're making this a cool, attractive product with the only intention to hook young children into the most addictive drug known to man above heroin, which is, as we all know, nicotine. So they're ready. You know, I'm, I'm waiting and I'm watching and, uh, you know, I'm just bracing for it. And I thought, you know, they're going to come out with a label maybe, you know, because that was the talk of the time. What she brought out were pictures of Hello Kitty drip tips. And she said, this is how they are appealing to kids. They are selling these Hello Kitty drip tips. And that is how they're trying to start kids on vaping. And, and she even had another one that, uh, that Zero Nick is the starter product to, to get them hooked on nicotine. So they induce them with Zero Nick. And this is what, these are the arguments of UCSF. And these are what they're, they're using. So if you buy into them, it's just like that chest trap. You're going to lose. And that's what we have people doing. So this week, what was floated out there from some really uh, people that, that, I, that I like and respect, uh, that uh, they came out with... Uh, this is from Kurt Lobeck, who is uh, from... Uh, Cloud Chasers Incorporated or Cloudy Collaborations Incorporated. And he says, I'm proud to announce that 3D Vapor and their 30 blend of vendors will be joining CCI, Vapor Shark, Good Life Vapor in a stance against trade shows that allow 
blatant IP theft, and marketing that can be perceived as at minors. We will not let the industry be corrupted and ruined by individuals that don't care what it is truly about. Now, I support what they're trying to do. Uh, I, have, I have no no problem, and, and they certainly, anybody that runs a show uh, has the right to limit what people are using uh, one way or the other. But the problem is that it you, you've accepted the trap. Now, the, the first part of the trap is, is an easy one. Blatant IP theft. Now, I'm assuming this is on labels, um, and, I, and I doubt that it relates to mods. Uh, leave that, uh, that there, there's definitely some people using different things that are IP theft and different mods. And I, I'm not sure if they're, they're saying that uh, velocity-style decks should be uh, not allowed into things uh, and clones. But So let me just assume that they're only talking about label IP theft because there's face group, Facebook groups that do nothing besides as far as outing people as far as this looks like Cheerios or, or whatever. IP theft will never be controlled by the FDA. The FDA will never care about IP theft of labels or, or packaging. Now, if it, if it looks like a, a, a candy product, then, there, then that moves it over to the marketing to kids. But let's just talk about the IP theft. Maybe it makes it a little bit more recognizable, but IP theft is, is out. It's if you steal something and, and another company owns it, that company will pull you into civil court. What Joe is saying is that uh, it becomes a crime uh, if, if you uh, don't have it as a registered trademark. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, like the, the state of uh, uh, the city of New York has rules, laws on the books regarding selling of fake Rolexes in the streets. And then that's how they can go and collect them. But just to, you know, that that's an aside. I shouldn't have brought it up. So what I'm saying is you need to throw off the, the, uh, the IP infringement. And then you're left with marketing that can be perceived as targeting to minors. Again, there's no, uh, there's no criteria for that. And there's the First Amendment protections afforded to businesses to put things on their labels, just like Larry Flint. So I so I read that and that that's that's great and it's it's going after the wrong thing but they certainly have the thing and and they they're they're standing up against it that's fine then the next thing I read is something from Phil Bersardo uh, called those people this is how it reads at the last few events I've experienced something actually much more than the last few events and I wanted to talk about it what would the average vapor look like at a vape event ninety percent chance of blowing a giant cloud eighty percent chance of covered with tattoos, 70% chance of wearing a snapback, 60% chance of a giant beard, 50% chance of having ear gauges, 10% chance of riding a balance suitor, 5% chance of falling off. Uh, this is what you will probably see. If you're not one of them, you may refer to, to them as hipsters. You may uh, even refer to them as those people. I stopped reading it at that point, but it does go on and 
I, I want to, I, and then he says, and, and he backs it out, but I can't get past the, far, or the first part. He then says, I want to look at the term those people, but I want to remove those and just keep the word uh, people because that's what we are. We're people. We're moving everything about that may be different from you and me, but they're still people. We all bleed red. They just choose to have their own style, their own look. It's no different from wearing a red shirt and me wearing a black one, except for the fact that your red shirt is more likely to get you killed on the planet's surface. Um, I don't know if that's a, a Crips and Bloods uh, reference. I don't, I don't understand what that is. Uh, red shirts are... I know about selective advantage and black moths and white moths and when you have soot on the trees and that uh, the black moths will live longer because the white moths will stand out on the tree surface and the... And the, and the little birds will eat all the white moths. But I don't understand why a red shirt is supposed to get you killed. I'll have to look that one up. And he says, I've met many of those people. I've talked to them. I've hung out with them. I've spent time with them. I've shared meals with them. And uh, friendly, warm, ongoing. Uh, people are not those people. Uh, are there assholes? You bet. My fear is that people who judge are more importantly smokers who judge them just don't understand. This group may be uh, scared off by what they see. It boils down to that smokers are going to be concerned enough to not go into a vape convention because all of the thugs and hipsters that walk around in these vape events. Uh, that's what it more or less boils down to. And and there's I'm confused a little bit about the way he's written this. So, but that that's how I interpret it. And, and you know, the first part is what I read mostly. Um, and then I'm just scanning down through it. So this was a, a popular, uh, a popular post, and and it, I think the the thrust of it is, is that we need to be ashamed of vape events and the people that frequent them, because we look like an unruly bunch of weirdos pushing out vape at vape events and doing all these strange things with cloud chasing and and. Uh, cloud contest and that because of that it's so disappealing to smokers that these vape events no longer become a way which can actively be used for smokers to come into the vape event as a newbie and learn the virtues of vaping that's what i th kind of think the thrust of it is and uh i think phil is probably the most liked person in vaping possibly so I, 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 I raise this up with great trepidation and wondering if I'm going to be smacked back by all the people that say, how dare I? But I think I'm being reasonable. So, so th there's another thing on vape events. So this is, this is shoe number two, and there's five shoes, I think, that drop. And so I'm looking at this going, no, 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 it's okay, guys. You know, this is what I'm thinking to myself. I'm going, no, no, it's, it's okay, guys. It's a vape event. This is a group of enthusiasts doing enthusiast things that are only surrounded by enthusiasts or other like-minded individuals. And it's okay. It, you know, it, heck, it's just a, it's, it's people that are, you know, somehow you got 50,000 people, uh, and I'm speaking to ECC, but say it's a smaller one, you got 20,000 people that have showed up for a vape convention. There's nothing new on the hardware side. There's nothing new, significantly new on the hardware side. There's nothing new on the flavors. I mean, it, there's now more people. There's there's more people, but there's a lot of people that are friends, you know, uh, hipster douchebags that like other hipster douchebags, whatever. You know, there's a lot of people and, and people are gathering and people are happy and, and whatnot. And 
and what the hell, you know, there, there's a normal competitive stance from any young male that they can do something better than the other. So what the hell can you do with vape? Well, you can, you can, you can have coils, uh, coil porn, and you can you can wrap a coil in such an artistic way that people have no comprehension of how some of these coils are put together. You can you can have slideshows of that. You can have uh, people uh, you know uh, having a speed contest of how fast they can rebuild a coil. You know, just like uh, people disassemble guns and reassemble guns. Uh, that never caught on, I guess. Or you can have the guys uh, that are the old timers per se that that at the beginning it was a real quest to try and get a vapor production it's a whole quotient that is measured and reviews the different lead liquids what is the vapor production uh and you can have people essentially yeah we uh we're gonna we're gonna stand back to back and we're gonna see who can blow the largest cloud anybody uh, gonna get uh, killed by this is anybody gonna fight over this no no okay uh, stick them back to back and uh have the bozos blow some clouds, and and the thing, the funny thing is, the the bozos that get up there to blow the clouds, they know they're bozos. I mean, hey, there, the guy gets up and he goes, yeah, I've been working on this. I've got my whole rig built, and I'm gonna see how far I can blow the way. And then somebody walks up and goes, yeah, dude, that's stupid, man. Yeah, what are you fucking idiot, dude? It's the guy walks up to him, and the guy that's blowing the contest goes, yeah. That you're you're only saying that to me because you know you can't do it. And he gets up there with pride and he blows his cloud. I don't care. But we we've gotten down to this. We somehow think that these these vape events are are become the the uh, the the chapel of vaping, and that all that must go on in these chapels of vaping, these expos, must be of such pure levels, puritanical virtues, that nobody can come in and do anything that could the ALA or anybody else could come in and say it is beneath them or it is not good, because we all know that oh shit, this is the only reason that people vape is to get off smoking, because that's what I did. That must be what you must do, and that must be everybody who follows me must do it the same way I did it because I was here first. The early adopter mantra. So what the fuck? I, I, I'm going, geez, you know, Phil, I, I, I like you. I mean, and you go to all these vents and, and all this other stuff, but but chill out on, on the hipsters. I mean, did, did the, the hipsters done anything? I mean, have they, have, has, has a guy vaping on, on a, on a balance board, you know, run over somebody, you know, has he run over a kid? Well, no, they haven't. They, they, you know, they, they, there's no kids even allowed at these things. It's an 18. It's like complaining, going into a bar and complaining that, that people are drinking or, or, or that, uh, it's like going into a bar, walking over and say, you were supposed to be drinking to drown away your your sorrows and depress yourself and, and just you know and 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 forget all your troubles. How dare you in this bar have a foosball table and make mockery of the depression-inducing alcoholic binge you're supposed to be having? It's like walking into a into a bar and, and taunting the people and saying that the people in bar, my God, they're playing foosball and and, and over there, look. What are they doing? They're playing beer pong. What the hell? They're playing beer pong as they've taken they've taken perfectly good ping pong balls and they're dropping in into cups and and having drinking contests 
in the bar. It's like walking into a bar and giving grief to those people. Now, I was at EC. I have not been to that many vape events, to be frank. I've been to, uh, you know, I've been to a, a, a good number of vape uh, things in city councils and, and the FDA and, and you know, uh, listening sessions and things like that. But I have only been to two uh, vape events. And I think I've gone to probably the two best ones. Uh, and and because I say that, because now this week, suddenly vape events have become a competitive sport, one against each other. And who can, who can show their biggest advocacy is the most virtuous vape event. And, and we all shall salute. So... I went to Vaping at the Sun recently, and and as far as I can tell, these are the first people that uh, did it with only one sound system in the building. They did it, they had a building, and they and they were smart enough to figure out cross ventilation because it's a large hall, and on on both all on both sides of the hall they had the uh, steel gates rolled up about three feet, so you could come in if you duck in under it, you can come in. But because they weren't charging at the door, uh, it, it was no problem, you know. So they had cross ventilation. It was good. It was a good event. A very good event. It was an excellent event, and the thing is that you look at some of these other events where you watch a video and there's so much vape it whites out. But that they're talking about advocacy on the whited out thing, and somehow that's supposed to be better. But so I've been to that one, and the reason I bring up that one is because I've been to ECC, which is the by far the biggest. It's just Mongo, and and this one had you know five halls. Each hall was it was as large as some of these other halls, that that the whole event and the and the large one. This was at the the uh, the Pomona Raceway, which used to be known as the uh, L.A. Fairgrounds. So these are giant, beastly sized halls. You know, which normally back in the day they'd have cows walking through them. They're giant halls, and so I watched all of the hipsters around there and there's some you know there's some big you know vapor joe guys you know you know pierced up things and and whatever and they're walking around with their little bag on their back that they were giving away you know vaping on their little thing and these are perfectly wonderful gentle giants of douchebags of of hipsters or whatever i mean i was there i was there for the days and i didn't see a single fight and i dare you to get 50 or 60,000 people walking around in LA heat on a 100 degree uh, thing in a whole situation like that and there not be a fight that break out. I mean, so these are nice people that go to the vape events, but somehow because that they're tatted up and, and they're, they're, they're occupied with vaping that people want to give grief to the vape events. And and I think that Phil Bosardo's those people, and that's how it's titled, is probably being misinterpreted because the lie, the, the lead is strong with a 90% chance of, uh, of uh, being covered in uh, tattoos, wearing a snapback, giant beard, air gauges, balance scooter. I mean, he really uh, gives you a, a great visual there. So that's, that's shoe number two. Uh, then I go back over and I look at uh, what's going on with Kurt. And then I see a whole thing uh, over from um, Mooch. Uh, and uh, Mooch is the guy that puts on the vape slams. Now, previously, the vape slams have been a rather unapologetic, uh, fun event. They've, they have comedians. They have, uh, they have wrestling contests. They have guys walking around acting as if they're uh, wrestling guys. And, uh, I mean, it's, it was the first one. I think it was called uh, Vape Mania right after uh, WrestleMania. 
and it was a good event. Again, uh, no children were harmed in the filming. Um, so here's what Mooch said, and I'm, I'm actually uh, trying to find the audio. that There's an audio that talks about uh, their new program for how they're going to give away prizes, and it's convoluted as all heck. Anyway, here's what uh, Mooch says. Over a year ago, Chris Winfrey and I uh, start, created a new convention for our shows where we were applauded and fought and uh, loved and hated for it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, then it says, these changes include a meticulous uh, screening of labels, overt sexuality on parade, a pretty is pretty, hooker ain't, copyright infringement, and full-scale advocacy blasts. Many of our policies were adopted by other convention organizers. We offered uh, terms of service. And, and what he's talking about is I do recall uh, at one of those events, they had Vapor Joe speak, they had... Uh, and they had Stefan uh, speak, and they had uh, several different others speak, and, and I think all of the proceeds. So, yeah, I think that was innovative. I do agree. Um, so, uh, and I actually, uh, I watched the Vapor Joe one, and Vapor Joe actually gave some pretty darn good business advice for people that were in business. I was, I shouldn't say I was surprised, but I did listen to it, and he gave some good business advice. So, uh, as many people know, blah, 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 no convention is perfect. Uh, organizers, uh, truly uh, comb over every aspect of the convention for months. Uh, moving forward, however, we are tightening our belt. Any vendor caught displaying inventory that explicitly denied from our showroom will be escorted out immediately. Your, your booth will become the property of an advocacy organization or advocacy literature and your convention fees will be donated to that organization of your choosing all violations uh, items you brought in the last minute over the final warning so they're basically just just laying the law down which is fine uh, they have absolutely every perfect right to do that but it, it it still comes from a place of they have every right to do that absolutely every right to do that and uh, there's another message I'm looking for and I don't think I'm going to find the audio of it. But there's a whole audio of how they plan to do uh, giveaways. Here's, the, here's what it is. Is that to give a giveaway, you have to... And so uh, people don't like giveaways at vape events. I don't exactly understand why. And uh, I tell you what. I'll, I'll give you a solution to the problem of giveaways at vape events. That, uh, and I'll, I'll get no mon monetary reward for this if you use it. When you go, when a vape event puts on a, a contest, uh, sorry, if they put on a vape event, that when you pay to get in or when you go through the door, you're given, and this case is really for pay, you get eight tickets. And those eight tickets are good for a sample each one for a sample. So if you pay the price for admission, you have eight tickets and you can get, say 10. You you have 10 tickets for your price of admission, like ECC was like 20 bucks. So you, you're given eight tickets, 10 tickets. And then when you go to the booths, nobody should supposed to be giving away free juice, right? And nobody wants to impact the local market by giving away too much free juice. And nobody wants to see over on Reddit, some guy that's collected, I don't know how many different bottles of juice at an ECC and is parading around telling you that he's going to sell them off in his kiosk. Nobody wants to see that. So... You get your 10 tickets and you walk up to, say, a lovely booth, uh, the most attractive booth in the show, Suicide Bunny. And you go, look, I've got, I've got my 10 tickets. I want to spend them all on you. Once you give them the ticket, then you get your sample. And that way that controls the samples and that controls the giveaways. And 
it also gives a value that will be comprehended because I've gone I've gone to all these shows the my long expansive list of history of uh, of shows and uh, I don't know how people get free juices I, maybe they have to walk up there and lie and stuff like that there's some places like uh, I did walk up to a a, a very nice place uh, a net over at uh, Virgin Vapors and and they were giving away a small bottle if you like the flavor you taste it and they gave away at ACC uh, so so maybe that's it but the ticket system will solve the whole giveaway thing but but let's go back to what the new vapor slam model that could well be shared to all advocacy groups if you if you go take the main stage and you want to do a giveaway you have to pay two hundred dollars you pay the two hundred dollars to any advocacy group of your choice then you walk over to the advocacy group and you then you tell them I'm I'm here's my here's your two hundred dollars I want to do a giveaway you need to come up to me with the, on the main stage and once you're at the main stage you will be given five minutes to preach your advocacy and then after that I will then be able to do my giveaway everything fine so they run up to the stage and uh $200 in hand and they they the guy preaches his advocacy and then the giveaway is to proceed then the big idea and i mean that absolutely sincerely as they have nerf balls customized nerf balls that will be thrown out in the crowd in lieu of throwing out bottles now this is the best idea nerf balls instead of bottles customized nerf balls beautiful idea that's the only idea that's worth uh in my humble opinion worth anything in this whole set but you uh nerf ball is fantastic idea right up there with tickets at the doorway for for your samples so the nerf balls gets the 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 advocate gets paid 200 bucks they walk up to the stage they talk for five minutes then and the nerf ball is thrown into proverbial audience and and proverbial audience member catches said nerf ball and then they are the winner from there, the Nerf ball is taken uh, at at the time of said Nerf ball holder over to the advocacy group that it is associated with because it was announced prior to the Nerf ball being lofted. So the holder of said Nerf ball walks over to said vaping advocacy uh, table and then the vaping advocate then, uh, as it's been you know, by by uh, Mooch and Freeze, as they explained it, will then have their chance again to uh, give them the speech, the talk for advocacy. For you know, it, it, what what they said is until the advocate believes that they have found religion, uh, and so from there, the Nerf bowl, which is held, is then exchanged for a ticket that the vaping advocacy group hands the nerf the previous nerf ball holder with that ticket said lucky winner walks over to the group that that did the promotion and say here is my ticket and then they get said prize that is that's complicated and i don't think anybody's going to use it because why would anybody that's in a show want to throw a nerf ball out for 200 bucks when they could give away stuff at their at their booth and okay now you're going to say well we haven't started the ed wolf tickets at the door uh, for your samples program and there's no free samples at said booth so they can't just give away things well you know 
if, if you have somebody that's interested in your stuff and you go right now, you know, you're interested in this, we're not giving it away, but we're, we're selling, uh, five bottles for five bucks or three bottles for five bucks or two bottles for five bucks or one 30 mil bottle for five bucks, pretty close to a giveaway. And if it's $5 for 130 mil bottle, uh, of, of that juice, then what is that? Five. That's, that's, uh, Five goes into 200, what, 40 times? So for, you can give away 40 bottles for 200 bucks. You know, they, they, it, it's, it's a much better deal and you're going to have happier customers if you give it away at your booth. Great, says the uh, promotion guy, because we never liked, you know, throwing out giveaways uh, at, at the show anyway, because we think that the main stage should be used for advocacy and advocacy-related things anyway. To which I say is Why? Why on earth do you think that anybody that has spent their time, paid the money to park, got into this thing, you know, that they want to hear about advocacy? It's Saturday. It's hot out. They paid 10 bucks for parking, $20 to get into the door of ECC, and it's 100 degrees outside. And according to Dimitri, if you don't have advocacy, you're an illegitimate event. It's not good. So why on earth does anybody think that a smoker would ever be going to a vape event? They're going to put 30 bucks out, out the door and spend their Saturday afternoon going through LA traffic or whatever traffic or driving over wherever to go to a vape event uh, when they could, you know, there's a local vape event at, at a, uh, a vape shop that they drive by to, when they're going to work each day. There's no chance. The only way there's smokers in these vape events is if their buddies drag them in saying, shit, I vape, this stuff is cool, you've watched me vape, tell you what, let's just go, it's one of these free ones, you don't have to pay at the door, I'll get you in, in fact, I even heard that they're going to give away a starter kit, we'll get you a starter kit, and then, you know, we'll take off and I'll buy you a pizza afterwards, that's going to happen, and from what I can tell, and for all the reports, it happens maybe... 10, 20 times at a vape event, you know, not a lot. There's not a lot. And a lot of the people that are collecting those things are, are, are the same guys that are on Reddit that are collecting as many juices as they can. And then they're going to walk around uh, with an empty pack of cigarettes and say, here, you know, so there's, there's plenty of stuff, but, but just face the facts. There's put it this way. If I go to a comic book convention, what do you think the odds are that I don't already own some comic books? It's the same thing with vape events. You're not getting a whole bunch of non-comic book owners coming in to check out the convention of, of comic books. Same thing with vapors. So I, I think you can throw the whole thing out there. The whole thing is we need to teach the uh, the smokers how to... Uh, how to uh, to use vaping stuff because... A vape event with with radical enthusiasts blowing clouds it's, it totally makes sense so that's that's one thing and then the next thing is that oh look you know vaping advocacy at, at trade shows now and, and and vape events just an expos according to some unless you have your your advocacy ducks in a row and you do a, a proper pomp and circumstances of your of your advocacy uh, manifesto and how you're here to save the industry at your expo if you don't do that you're an illegitimate event congratulations you've reached illegitimacy of your event i don't get it i, I absolutely don't get it in fact you know i, I you know why are any advocates over at 
Dave events. And, you know, obviously I got to backtrack that. How on earth can I say that? Because if you don't have an advocate at your vape event, you're illegitimate. So you can't just say, why should you even have them? Because that's like saying, why is illegitimacy a valid thing? Well, let's go through it. There's groups like the Vaping Militia. There's groups like ASA that show up at these things. And, you know, I, I've seen the Vaping Militia and, you know, they're, they're at just about all these events. They're, they're happy to say that the show promoters are putting them into the events. They better because if they don't, they're not going to be legitimate. But they're, they're there and, and I, I've seen what they do on some things. I haven't seen all they do, but, you know, one time there, there's a, a young guy walking through and Joe Barnett says, you know, let me see your uh, vaporizer and he takes his vaporizer and then the guy continues to talk and he wants his vaporizer back and Joe won't hand it back to him. This is a thing that he does, as he explained. I, it's like seared into my brain, the, the, the expression of this guy's face. It wasn't like, I need to know advocacy. It was like, who is this fucking weird fuck who's taking my fucking vaporizer, which I use my mouth on, and fucking won't give it back to me? That was the expression on his face. Not, well, I think it's important because of the concept of if I had my hand and I looked at my hand and had a vaporizer, and if I took my, took my vaporizer away and I looked in my hand, I had nothing. It wasn't that that was going through his head. What was going through his head is that my equipment is in somebody else's hands. I don't know who the fuck this asshole is, but he's not giving me back my, my, my uh, vaporizer, and that's something I plan on using for the rest of the day. That was his face. So, great, you got the vaping vaping uh, militia there, and everybody talks about how wonderful the vaping militia is. Well, not everybody. There's a lot of people that disagree with their name. But, you know, this week, we get to hear how the vaping militia is using cloud contests to support advocacy. So, cloud contest people are funneling money into advocacy. Little do they know that some advocates think that if you do a cloud contest at a vape event that you're illegitimate, Dimitri. Uh, and, you know, if, if how does this all work? You got one group that is, is using advocates and using it with cloud contests to get money and you got other advocates uh, saying cloud contests are, are screwing us up and how dare you have a cloud contest at your thing. Uh, because it's it'll it'll screw it all up, and and then you got you got convention versus convention now. So you got VTC, uh, VCCT sixteen in Florida that that goes off and does its uh, its uh, pristine tobacco harm premier, you know we do it all the right way, uh, lead by example, and they, and they're doing all this stuff. And, and, and it's great. And, and I tell you a couple of things, what I like about uh, Kevin Skipper's shows. One, he doesn't charge for the door. And my understanding is that he doesn't charge the people that much. And he puts on shows in lots of locations. Fantastic. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, when I was a kid, there was, uh, 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 it was called, uh, there was two circuses. There was the Ringling Brothers and, and that was the big show. And then there was Circus Vargas, which was a smaller circus, but that, sh that one went around to town to town. So he's a smaller circus, but he goes around to town to town and it's free at the door. Fantastic. But he's, but he, he then I, I'm watching this video of, of Kevin walking through the park 
talking about in really high production value, talking about how cool VCC is uh, because it, it has all of these, you know, special items in it that no other convention has. It's, it's really high production values. And, and he's talking about all this stuff and how important it is and this stuff. And then the whole premise is we don't have clouds. There's no cloud contest. Well, at VT, uh, VCC T16, there is a cloud contest going on. And so what you know it's it's after the show in the same building you know it's it's one of those deals or it's it's definitely associated with the event so you got we don't do it and then they do it and then some people say that clouds are bad don't do the contest and then you got other you know advocates going ah this is how we make our money cloud contest so you know if you're not confused by now um I guess you can listen to me being confused because I don't see how having people like, let me say it this way. Uh, th a lot of the, the other shoe that dropped was the whole Samantha B ex uh, experience where Greg Conley did an interview with her to make sure that she understood the tobacco harm reduction. Because as we all know, besides tobacco harm reduction, which and, and and speaking in front of assemblies and 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 being whisked all you know into every state legislator that uh, you know that he that he's willing to go to. Uh, I mean, I think he's he's probably been to to 30 states, is my guess, uh, talking to different states. We all know that be, beyond what he does there, is that he likes to really put vaping in a negative light. That that that's kind of his whole thing. So what he did is he took, uh, did an interview to talk about tobacco harm reduction and to make sure that she understood what was going on. Well, you know, they're an independent film, news, whatever, comedy show. And that, so people got all up in people's asses because at the Foxwoods Resort, Samantha B got into the vape event and supposedly she talked to some people. Maybe they had a, a offensive labels or not. I don't know. I don't think anybody was just sniffing her ass right next to her, but nobody said they were like right up to her finding out what they said. I've heard nobody said I had this conversation with her. And all of this stuff, all this wild, you know, woolly world of vape conventions and how we're fucking ourselves is contained in one little tiny post on Greg's uh, Facebook. And so people are giving Greg grief. Now, I'm going to say it this way, and I'm going to play the audio on this, is I think if you're going to show me fruity flavors with a, a non-IP infringing cartoon as item one, or if you're going to show me a guy walking around in a black t-shirt with the German National Eagle on it, and a skull, which was used a long time ago. If if you're if you're gonna show me some scary looking guy with a Hell's Angel type thing and a fucking German eagle walking around under the banner of vaping militia, and you got that guy, and you got some fucking dork over on the side with a fruity label, which do I think does more damage in today's day and world with all the national events? It's I, I will take the fruity label any time. Because you got some guy running around in a militia shirt, and the vaping militia is very proud, you know. Oh no, that that bird is not a uh, that bird is not a uh, it, it's not it's not the German eagle that was thrust upon Europe and erected and stuck up, uh, uh, you know, uh, up in the, the World's Fair in France. No, it's not that bird. 
even though it looks exactly the same. It's not that one, even though it's on banned flags and, and Europe had to remove that eagle left and right. No, it's not that one, but it is. And it's not that one. It, it's it's uh it's a fucking phoenix. Yeah, that's the story. Yeah, yeah, that's the story. Yeah, it's a phoenix. It's not. And you know, I'm sorry if uh you know if you vaping militia folks are a little bit irked that I'm pointing this out to you again because I think that it's a negative image and it's never negative connotation. And if any city council ever hears that the vaping militia wants to come over to talk to them, that they're going to be talking to their security guards immediately because they think they're going to get fucked up by the vaping militia just because that's the day and the age that we live in. Nobody wants to be visited upon by a vaping militia. Nobody wants to see that. But, you know, I'm sorry to point that out again. You know, certain imagery does bother me, and I don't forget. I have a long memory. So, anyway, I'll take the fruity labels. Give me the fruity labels. Some audio clips of uh, my man, Dimitri. See what he has to say this week. We need to change that as an industry. Vape shops need to be more welcoming to smokers, and we certainly have to work on changing our image and our perception to smokers and what this product is. And I don't know what the answer to that is because everything that we've tried so far has failed, aside from a huge PR campaign that would, that would cost millions of dollars. Um, I can't see how we're going to be able to change that. AVA is, is, is a great, great way of helping Gregory Connolly get on mainstream me- media. But, you know, he did the whole Samantha B thing. So, you know, it's kind of on blacklist. <laughs> this week I, had, <laughs> I love Greg. I mean, I, I, I want to say this sincerely. Um, me and Greg have worked very, very hard on the political uh, uh, field, and, and Greg has done a lot of good things. But the fact that he opened up that door with Samantha B, and then Samantha B shows up at this vape event, which brilliantly, stupidly, allows her to come in and film, um, you know, it's going to make vaping look bad. There's no way that this piece is going to come out from her that's going to benefit vaping at all. There's absolutely no way, right? Have you ever seen her show? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Nobody looks good on her show. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And can you imagine? And can you imagine uh, how bad we're gonna look? Because I heard as soon as she went in there, she went right for the IP infringement. Kitty labels had people jumping up and down. It's just gonna grab some, you know, some really bad stuff, and it's gonna make us look like 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 uh, like idiots. But back to the original subject. So so Greg's a dick. Greg's a dick because he uh, did an interview with Samantha B, and they 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 were able to bring their news crew uh, or their their fake news show crew into a vape shop uh, or a, a vape uh, expo. If it if it wasn't that vape expo, it would have been another one. But for some reason, uh, you know, Greg is on the blacklist for talking about tobacco harm reduction. How the fuck? I mean, seriously, Dimitri, how the fuck? So this was another shoe that dropped. I mean, the shoes were dropping this week. I mean, I'm, wa- I'm watching one thing. I'm going, oh, my God, Vapor Slam has lost his balls. Uh, number two, what? No, d- 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 Bersardo is going off on hipsters. Oh, shit. They, they have a whole new, new uh, way of doing uh, this whole giveaway things. Oh, oh shit. You know, uh, so- somehow uh, Greg is an asshole for, for doing what Greg does. And, and, and you know, uh, I have to say, I mean, guy kicks some ass. Guy's doing good. And most politicians would have taken their licks and, you know, come back to fight another day. And, you know, for some reason, those bills just would not die. He had uh, the poison in him to just push them through. I mean, there was there, 
nobody could have predicted that he would go through he, those those me- measures. He he has it out for the industry. And uh, I mentioned this in Poland. I had a few California vendors that come up to me, came up to me and asked me some questions. And in VCC as well, too, they were concerned. Lena last year got what three hundred fifty thousand from the pharmaceutical company. Oh yeah. Um, don't you think? Okay, I'll, I'll give a little foreshadowing to what's going on here. They're gonna the new theory because if you've heard any of my other shows, my mantra this year is that we need to pick one organization. I'm picking Safada because that's the only one that is a national one and a state one, and it's proven to work. Everybody should rally to one, decommission the other ones, stop talking about all these multiple different advocacies. I've been saying that for weeks. Dimitri now has a theory that if you take get you can get five different things. If you don't like your advocacy thing, just say, fuck it, build your own, uh, go to another one, go to the Vista, the one that Dimitri created, just pick one, pick one out of a hat. And the best thing is if you pick, if people pick five or six different ones that they're going to, that's going to suddenly create, uh, sorry, if you pick five and you get five, then you're going to have five lobbyists and they can all go over there and you have five lobbyists instead of one lobbyist. Well, the math doesn't work because none of them are going to have enough money to, to buy a lobbyist. And then Dimitri is going to tell everybody in spectacular detail how, you know, California is a big state. Those vendors in California are a bunch of raging assholes. And so why don't those raging assholes just pony up the cash and pay off Leno? Because that's the only thing that needs to be done. You just, you know, write a check to Leno and he'll fucking, you know, bow and say, fine, I'm paid off and I'll go. As if government corruption is not a crime in California. Guess what? Taking money for to, to for your votes as a quid pro quo will put you as a politician in jail in California. It is against the law. Dimitri, brilliant theory that if you just pay them the money, they'll go. And it, there was there was a programmer lady I used to work with, a lovely lady, and she I used to have to sit in her office and 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 explain the specifications of the program, and she just she was able to write it. She had a, a cartoon on her thing, and it just showed uh, an elephant being cut in half. And the caption was, cutting an elephant in half doesn't create two baby elephants. And that's the same thing. Creating five advocacy groups out of nothing doesn't create five effective ones. It creates a whole bunch of underfunded ones that can't get there anything done. And that's why I'm saying rally to one. We could give him half a million dollars. Don't you think that California... Listen, it's $200,000 to sponsor some of these fucking events. Don't you think that the vaping industry could have created a pack a couple of years ago and give him $500,000 for his election? <laughs> you want to know how to win? That You don't ridicule him on Instagram. That's how you win. You create a relationship with him. You create a pack with him. And you go and you show up and you put some money in his pocket. Guess what? That's how the big boys play. There's easy solutions to this problem in California. Nobody has taken a political stance against these people and work with them the way that everybody else works. Yes, we know this is a less harmful product. Yes, we know this is a better product. We know this product saves lives. But guess what? That is irrelevant when it comes to politicians, especially in a state like California. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in California, anybody can author a bill and hand it to a legislator and say, here, just put your name on it. The source of a bill does not ever have to be disclosed in California. Right. And obviously you look at that legislation and you tell me who wrote that fucking bill. Oh, it's obvious. 
of the All really. I'm saying is that we can replace that money. We can replace his funding. We can, I saw a comment in the chat. He is pressured from the pharmaceutical sponsors. Yeah. He's, he's pressured from what? The 300 it's, – it's documented how much money he got. Yeah. Can't we replace it? That's all I'm saying, Pat. Can't we replace this money? Can't, well, can't the, the 65% of the industries in California, according to some estimates, we can't raise $500,000 through a political action committee to give him? Well, they have a hard time funding uh, <laughs> their lobbyists, let alone you know putting out that kind of money. Well, you know, I mean that's just the way it is. All I'm saying is that here you go. Here's a solution. Instead of being all up in arms, ch- back channel like everybody else does, replace that money, and instead of having the political pressure from pharmaceutical, let him feel the political pressure from this industry that is in the billions now. Yeah. It pisses me off. Uh, well, Vermont, PA, we talked about what other states are affected. Uh, top of your head, Pat, that, we, that we're having some issues now. Uh, Kansas? Can't, yeah. Yeah, Kansas. Kansas is, is, is another one. But anyway, uh, again, this is something that I touched on Smoke Free Radio last year on VP Live Network. I was a strong proponent back then, and I still am this year. Forget about the federal right now. If you're not organizing your state, you're not going to worry about the federal. <laughs> it's not going to make a difference. We still have states with no state representation sure. at all. Uh, yeah, which is ridiculous at this, st- at this stage of the game. Uh, down at VCC, again on the panel, the idea of Vista was it wasn't to create a, an advocacy group. The idea of Vista came to me and Kevin a few years ago when we said, hey, guess what? There are states that don't have lobbyists. Maybe we should do something to help them. Put a lobbyist in a state. That was the idea of Vista. And to me, at the time, I swear to you, Pat. I swear to you, Pat. I said, this is fucking brilliant. You know, we should get, uh, you know, 60,000, 80,000 in each state to get a lobbyist. That should be easy peasy. Oh, boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Boy, was I way off. Way off. Look at, look at, just look at Los Angeles or look at Dallas. How many vape shops are in L.A. County? Oh, God, it's got to be, what, 1,200, 1,500? Okay, so if everybody put in $1,000, which is, in my opinion, an operating expense, it's the cost sure. of doing business. You shouldn't complain about spending $1,000 sure. to protect your business. Sure. They could have the best lobby in any state in the United States. The same thing with you know Dallas. We, I fought for years, and you know, Shell Hamill – She's a superhero to me, but I fought for two solid years to get a state organization formed in Texas, Mm -hmm. and I'm not even a damn vendor. Yeah, and there's still nothing really – I mean there's there's still not – I mean look, I I have the utmost respect for for what Shell has done. Don't get me wrong. However, there's over 800 shops in the state of Texas. Am I right? Yep. And Shell has what, 80 of them? 90? Something like that, hundred. Uh-huh. I'll give you a hundred. I give you so you have ten percent of the industry paying for the lobbyists, and I'm sure not all of them have paid their dues. Uh, hey, I'm just saying the truth and honest here, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if your butt hurt. But some of those vendors are carrying the weight for other vendors. I'm sure not everybody has paid their fair share. No, I know. I know that they have not paid their fair share. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. In these big states, Oklahoma, Texas, California, where vaping is so Thank you for advanced, using Talk so many Radio. businesses, Goodbye. so many dollars flowing through them, it's ridiculous to have to beg to create a state association, to have to beg for money. 
that I I have to force somebody to get on a mechanical bull to raise five thousand for the state association. That's fucking ridiculous. I was there. <laughs> that was kind of fun. <laughs> it was. It was. I got video. <laughs> Save that. We will use it for future blackmailing. But honestly, what I'm trying to say is that this was the idea with Vista. Every state, every other industry does that, right? Um, uh, every every industry, professional industry has a lobby representation, except us. Well, we do have it in some states, but we don't have How in 2016, how in a $5 billion industry now, we don't have a state representation, whatever that is. Texas should have three, to be honest with you. You don't agree with SPADA? Join TIVA. There's another one over there uh, that's been started, the Texas uh, Electronic Vaporizer Association. You don't agree with TIVA? You don't agree with SPADA? Start your own. I don't care if there's five associations with five lobbies. Guess what? That's that's better. The more associations that we have, the better it's going to be. The more lobbyists that we have on behalf of the industry, I know the common goal, 75% of the goal, whether you like SPAT or whatever, it doesn't make any difference about bullshit. Our 75% common goal is to save vaping in the state. So if you have five associations and we all have the same goal, that's five lobbyists or 10 or 20 that can fight on behalf of your right. You don't like what they're doing? I didn't like what they were doing. I did my own shit. Do your own shit. Don't wait for somebody. Don't wait for Shale or for me or Kevin down in Florida or, or, or Bill in Georgia. Don't wait for them to save you and not even contribute a damn dime. And guess what? You're not going to sit at the table. If you don't pay, you can't play when it comes to government affairs, my friend, whoever you are. So I lost my train of thought. I get, we're talking <laughs> back to the state association. I get, I get upset sometimes, Pat. I know. I um, set you off. But, but, on a, but on a bright note, my blood pressure is doing very well. So. All right, so that's what when I was saying. Uh, there's another section, uh, and I'm not going to be able to find it right now, where he basically says Leno just needs to have $500,000 greased into his palm and California is solved. And, uh, I mean, he alluded to it and he said much of that, but there's another section too. Uh, this is just asinine stupidity, Dimitri. I mean, to think that you can have a whole bunch of vape uh, associations and they're all going to suddenly be able to uh to just have five you know five associations start your own and uh you know that way you'll get five lobbyists it doesn't work like that and then you know just to prove it to you if you listen to yourself as you continue on you say how you attempted this with vista and it's failing except for the two places where you have it locked in which i believe is well maybe three uh florida georgia and uh Tennessee. Now, uh, it's absolutely fine. And as, as I said on a, on a previous show, if you've if you're already in an association and it's working for you, good. But don't just think that you can start another one, just whip up another one when you already have one that is on the national level, which is Safada. Because this year, 2016 is going to be absolutely brutal. I mean, and you, there's no time to reinvent the wheel. And we know that uh, if you listen to, to Kevin on VP Live, he will explain what happened in Connecticut. And I hope he, uh, Kevin will talk about that again, what his experience with Safada in Connecticut is and how that happened. Because when we go back and we look at what did not work in Indiana, that they have no established state organization and they have no connection into any national organization and what the ramifications of that inability to comprehend what was being done to them was that 
that if you look at Indiana, that's why I call it a postmortem because we need to learn from that. And we don't need to reinvent the wheel as many times as Dimitri is saying. And it doesn't, you can't, as I just said, it's against the law for a politician to take bribes. You can't just, it's, it's just not a, a, a binary function that you give a politician enough money and uh, they'll do your bidding. It doesn't work that way. And say what you will about Leno, I believe he's a true believer in what he thinks. He thinks he's out there saving the world. And, and he, th- you know, he thinks he's Dudley Do-Right, you know, that he's going to go save the day. And, and, and this is just what the people need to have thrust upon him for their own good. Because the people are stupid and he's smart and, and this is what will be good for them, save the children. Leno believes that. So, you know, he honestly believes that. Whether you think he's a schmuck for thinking that or not, it's fine. But he does believe that. And so you think, if you, can you imagine if, if, if Dimitri walked over with a buttload of cash and said, here you are, Leno, what would happen? Oh, you don't think that would hit the papers? You, know, you don't think Leno is going to go, well, geez, you know, uh, I might have to go to jail if I uh, take this money from Dimitri. It, it's just not that simple. So when Dimitri is just lambasting and attacking people in California for not having their acts together it's fucking blatant ignorant bullshit and Dimitri must know that he must know it and because he just said it he said that oh I thought this was a brilliant idea when I first proposed Vista I thought it would catch on like wildfire and it didn't and and instead of you know taking a post-mortem analysis of what that was and saying shit Maybe we all do need to rally to one and, and, and pick an organization, stick with it, and fight with the army we have. Maybe, maybe we should do that. Instead of Dimitri figuring that shit out, no, he's still with the same stupid program. And, and this stupid program that he's talking about, the problem with it is it causes high blood pressure. Because you can't float this shit out and have a clean conscience. Nobody's going to tell you that. No, we've tested the, the plastics that we use in our devices or whatever. That's how every business does it. So be, be, be responsible, have some ethics, and have, be transparent in your business practices. There's a lot of e-liquids on the market that are not tested. There's nothing wrong with it. And there's people that come up to me and they say, hey, I haven't tested it. And I'm like, well, thank you very much. You answered my question. I can make the decision then as an adult if I want to vape it or not. And don't force me to vape it, please. If I don't want to vape it, I don't want to vape it. <laughs> don't shove that drip tip in my mouth. <laughs> some people do. Okay. So I think quality assurance questions is is something really good that that she brings up. And finally, fill your personal uh, space or shop with complete cloud coverage. When it will chase away 80% of the smokers, I think we talked about that earlier. Uh, Apparently, this blog post hit on some nerves. Uh, And and if it hit on – maybe it's talking about you. Uh, But uh, there are people out there that are trying to do it responsibly. There are people out there that want to sustain this industry. And there are people out there that have ethics that have responsibility in their, in their business practices. And that's who I want to fight for. I'll be honest with you, Pat. I want to fight for those that do it right. Uh, I want to fight for those that are trying to keep our industry alive. And um, if you are financially dependent on some of these bad business practices, you know, I, I can see how this is going to uh, affect you or how you might take it the wrong way uh, if, if your funding is depending on something like that which I've been critical in the past of, of, of some of these, these uh, organizations or even some of these uh, vape events that, that I see. Uh, you know, I was critical of militia with a VPX thing. Uh, and I, t- I told Joe, Joe's my friend. I told him personally. I said, Joe, 
it pisses me off that you you are the only group that goes and legitimizes this event when I get pictures from people that go there and that tell me that it looks like a Nickelodeon convention. <laughs> I swear to God. A person sent me some pictures and said, I don't know if I'm in a vape event or I'm at a Nickelodeon convention. Like lemonade stands and all kinds of stupid shit, you know? I mean, that's not really nostalgia, is it? No. Or, or am I just too uptight? I, I, you know, we have to really think about what's going on. And these, these promoters that are putting these events on, really, I mean, before they sell, sell you a booth, you should have to send them your product. You should have – this is what our shit looks like. Yeah. This is what our display is going to look like. They, we really need to do a better job at vetting these things because you know I've been to events and I've talked to promoters that I know and trust and they mm-hmm. you know I get there and there's stupid shit there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a guy that that's pretty. Uh, this story's gone around a lot. You know, we go to an event and th- the promoter has done everything that they can possibly do to to vet this shit, and you walk up to an, a booth. And there's a vendor there that has e-liquid um, displayed in a bowl of cereal. And then you look on the label and, you know, it has Captain Crunch on it. And you're like, hey, this is you're, – you're, you're co-branding. You are – you have the product that you're mocking up, that you're ripping off right there on display beside your shitty product. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, we go to the promoter and say, look. You know, this is what's going on, and then you have to leave it up to the promoter whether they got the balls to to tell somebody you have to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, but again, there's not I many think, of them. I think that- if events want to have that, I think it's fine. If you want to have an event like that, go right ahead. I just don't want to be there. And when I see advocacy groups like the militia supporting something like that, not only supporting it but making public posts like, "Oh, this was a wonderful event," well, kiss my Greek ass. I'm sorry. You know, you're trying to legit. I mean, unless you just want a, a plane ticket to go from event to event, that's fine. Again, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Pat. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't say that this was a great event and try to legitimize. And and you and in the minds of the organizers and the people that are there, they're saying, "Oh yeah, of course, militia was here. It was great. It was a great event." It's their way of trying to cover up the shit things that happened, and that pisses me off. It pisses me off on a personal level. Not not. You know, I don't care. I really don't. If you want to keep doing it, doing it. But it doesn't, you know, if I'm going to step my foot down, I'm going to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to go to this events because I, I just don't agree with what's happening. That's my own personal decision. But if I see people trying to, or I see events trying to bring people in to legitimize that event when I know that the only purpose of this event is to make money uh, for the organizers, then I'm not going to support it. And that's going to be my stance. And it's been my stance for the last almost two years now. And if you don't like it, you know, again. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just telling you that. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. And uh, and if we don't do something about it, if we don't self-regulate, definitely somebody's coming to self-regulate us. Somebody's coming oh, down. I think the, the self-regulation <laughs> days are far behind us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That option that is no longer an option. Um, You're right. They've got a hard on, and you know we've been telling everybody, you know, for two years for sure that they have to clean up their act, and it's not happening. I mean, obviously. There's still problems. There's still people in it for the quick buck that don't have the vision to uh, make a long-term plan. And, you know, we're not going to have to worry about it because once this comes down, if, you know, like you said, if the rumor is true and FDA has 
OMB's changes in hand, and they probably will be minor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm done. not saying. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. I don't want to. All right. So those were all the the shoes that dropped this week, and and it it was depressing because it was like, you know, one by one by one. And, you know, I understand, I absolutely understand what Vape Slam is trying to do, but I don't think that Vape Slam should, you know, uh, bow to this whole thing that you are an illegitimate event if you don't have advocacy uh, as the primary focus of your event. And as I said, you know, VCC has cloud contests. And then uh, Vaping Militia uses cloud contests for funding. Then you got other advocates saying, well, cloud contests are very bad for the industry because it's stupid and it, and it makes people look terrible. And then you got other people saying, oh, shit, you know, these are hipsters in this thing. Uh, you know, who would ever want to associate with these uh, dirty, scummy vapors? They, these vapors are just as bad as smokers. Um, and, and there's an old saying that, you know, the, the, the worst, uh, smoker is an ex smoker because, uh, you know, they're, they're going to go around preaching the loudest and telling everybody what to do. And, uh, in this case, it's like the vapors are now against other vapors and it's happening with all these different shows. It's happening. It's just, it's, uh, uh, empathetic. <laughs> I have a lot of empathy and I just, it just, it hurts <laughs> because, I'm watching people that are just trying to go to a vape event because they want to have fun. They've quit smoking. They're 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 going to blow a simple cloud, and people are are just being lambasted. Yeah, and I agree that labels should be all perfect, neat, and tidy, but there is no self-regulation as as Dimitri is suddenly becoming aware of, uh, and it there is going to be regulation, and the regulation can only do certain things as allowed by the law. And we cannot go back and be vapors that are shoved out in the rain to stand 40 feet away from the opening doors with no cover, being rained on, huddling in a little circle and smoking cigarettes. That's not how vapors should be treated. And that's not how conventions should treat people that are enthusiasts. Now, if you don't like it, don't show up. But at the same time, if you don't like it, don't show up and don't tell people it's an illegitimate event. So you know, have your head on straight. So that's the show. I I appreciate you listening. Uh, I'll just hit it.
All right, mister, what do you think you're doing? You call this a room? This is a pigsty. I want you to straighten up this area now! You are a disgusting slob! Stand up straight! Tuck in that shirt! Adjust that belt buckle! Tie those shoes! What is that? Wipe that smile off your face. Do you understand? What kind of a man are you? You're worthless and weak. You do nothing. You are nothing. You sit in here all day and play that sick, repulsive, electric twanger. You carry that, that, that vaporizer. Who are you? Where do you come from? Are you listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? I want to vape.